0: it was it was a internal battle it's an internal competition of I know I can be better than I was the previous time I tried he was entrusting, and that's like the ultimate quality of a teacher that you can ever ask for
1: hello my fellow Martians my name is Harry Mars and this is the on Mars pod where we take a deep dive into creative professionals entrepreneurs and other inspiring Martians alike
0: If there's any person that can save Lantern, it's going to be you. And it's going to take a lot of effort, but I think you can do it. Like 30% of my life has been spent doing that. And the amount of gratitude and how thankful he was that I was there. Um, He was like in tears.
1: Hello, my fellow Martians. Today on Mars, we are joined by one of my childhood friends here today. (laughs) He is a creative photographer, videographer, and owner of Lantern Coffee out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, So today on the special edition of On Mars, we are actually in Lantern Coffee in Grand Rapids. So thank you so much, John, for letting us do this today. This is so sick. For sure. Yes, yeah, so I'm on a little trip here visiting family for some birthdays, and I hit John up to see if he would be willing to come on Mars, and uh, he said yes, and I was kind of like, ah, what are we going to do? Had to make like impromptu setup, and um, yeah, so we're in his coffee shop right now. So this is Grand Rapids, Michigan. If you guys live in Grand Rapids, check him out here um, But yeah, John, so on Mars, we dial in on creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and other inspiring Martians alike. That's kind of our whole thing here. So I'm so glad you were uh, able to come on today because, you know, we've been hanging out since 2007, I think, something like that. So I've seen your journey from the beginning and you are by far one of the creative and one of the most creative and one of the most talented people. I know you go all in on everything you do. And that's everything, you know, creatively and in your life. So it's just, it's really cool that you're, uh, you're able to, you know, see things through and you, that that's what sets you apart from a lot of people. So uh, thank you again for coming on and wanting to do this, man. Yeah.
0: I mean, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I've, <laughs> I've, I've done a couple of podcasts before and um, I just love doing them so when you hit me up i was like yeah for sure
1: cool man well thanks again and uh to get started you know i want to touch on because we both grew up in granville michigan yep. yep. so um out here in granville man early on you were in skateboarding snowboarding sports you were um i mean you were obviously into photo and video early on but before the photo and video stuff, was it just sports? was that the main passion? was it like uh like skateboarding snowboarding was there anything else that really like as a child that was really taking up time
0: uh yeah, I mean it was mostly sports um my my grandpa was a basketball coach um like i grew I grew up playing football baseball basketball like my stepdad was my baseball coach um mostly you know kind of from the sidelines you know like parents had a heavy involvement in like all all sports as well as like all my siblings played, played sports so it was kind of just like a natural that's what we did yeah um and and you know like you kind of know early on playing certain sports like whether or not you're good <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh for me like you know seeing like some stats that like my sister was putting up versus like what i was putting up i'm like yeah i'm not like I'm just doing this because my parents want me to. Um, And it was more just like, I was tall, so I played basketball. Like That was it, you know, Um, which led me soon after to get into skateboarding because that's just a natural, you know, i met a couple friends that had skateboards and hung out with them and thought it was really cool. So I got a skateboard and started hanging out with them. And one thing leads to another. And the natural skateboard path is like, you know let's avoid all organized sports because that's against the rules yeah you know what I mean totally and you know you do your own thing so that led into skateboarding snowboarding um stuff like that so yeah man
1: so I mean that extreme sports route was because you found like hey the regular sports route is not for me so let me try this that I feel you know this is more fun to me right yeah Yeah, like did it click initially for you like the skateboarding thing or was it just something that you just thought was fun?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like with, uh, with traditional sports, you're competing against other teams and other players, right? Uh, whereas like in skateboarding, snowboarding, even golf, or say, you know, singles tennis kind of thing. Yeah, um, bowling. Bowling, yeah, like <laughs> you're competing against yourself. Right. You're, you are doing the sport alongside other people, but you're not competing against them. You're just, you're just there. Yeah. so for me early on it was it was a internal battle it's an internal competition of i know i can be better than i was the previous time i tried so same thing like a couple years ago i got into running uh just long distance running i i know i can do better than i did last time and that's what drives what drove me back then to get into skateboarding is each time i went out and skated when i was eight years old up until still today when i go skate i know that i can try to be better than I was the previous time Um, and just trying to focus on what can I do better what mistakes was I making last time and what do I have to pay attention to stuff like that yeah and
1: that's a healthy motivation versus like using other people as motivation I think that's a lot healthier um, you know internally being like let me just be a better version of myself in this task and and it's crazy that like you were able to kind of take those same principles in a way I guess and apply them in your life outside of sports and like skateboarding and stuff like that too where it's just like you you were never competing against other people you were always competing against yourself I guess competing you know quotes on that just like you just always wanted to be a better version of yourself and you know this is something that we've talked about like off air a bunch but like you always go all in on everything that you do and it's um I think that's part of that mentality of just like you like starting in something, liking it, and then just wanting to get better and better and better and better. And just at the time, that's what you're focused on. So that's why you just double down, triple down, quadruple down on everything that you do. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I realized this a couple of years ago that, um, and I don't know if it's really like an ADHD thing, but a lot of people that have ADHD, I've, I've never really been diagnosed, but a lot of people that have ADHD, they uh, pick up a, a hobby or a Topic or something that they're interested in, and they like learn everything there is to know about it. Um, and that's kind of what has happened with me and a lot of the different things that I'm interested in. Um, but I tend to choose the ones that I'm really good at and stick with them. Yeah. So uh, coffee was kind of the first one that I uh, dove in on probably about 10 years ago, this time, about 10 years ago, like this week. Um, I piqued a little bit of an interest on it. I I read a couple forums online about coffee that could taste fruity. Um, And 10 years ago, that was, for most people, like not a thing. Yeah, Um, And I was just like, damn, like there can be like fruit tasting in coffee. Mm. So I found a couple of cafes. I was living in Detroit at the time. Found a couple of cafes over there that I thought would have those coffees. And of course, like the stuff I was getting was just like, lattes with like a shit ton of sugar right in them or whatever right yeah. but that you know seeing like latte art for the first time i was like damn like that's so sick because that to me was like flair. the same way that skateboarding has like style yeah was like, oh this is the same feel like each like barista their has their own, own style, own yeah. style their right. own flair. so for me i was just like yeah like this is so sick i want to learn more about like this whole industry and so that's that's the beginning of me taking like deep dives on things and I mean I've had many Other deep dives
1: for sure, and I mean, I I do kind of want to like touch on before the coffee though, and even before skateboarding. You know, like you were you were you were making films and um you were you know shooting photos and videos as a kid. You know, you were four or five, six years old shooting videos. We were just talking before this pod with your with your sisters. You know, and your family, and like that was like part of like your bonding. You guys would make videos and, you know, like you even had you would title them and you would do sound effects. He said behind the camera and like running a full production team with
0: the (laughs) sisters and brothers like that's really cool, man. Yeah, It was basically Sony, (laughs) Sony, Columbia, whatever. Like we we were basically that. Sony Pictures, baby. Uh, No, 2002. But
1: it's funny, like how like um, those those little things that as a kid you just see as fun end up playing into who you become as an adult. And it's just like, then you start looking back now and you start like, oh, we were doing, you know, we were actually doing like sound production. We were, you know, we had someone being like the director of photography, you know, like we yeah. were doing story writing. We were doing like, like scene selection. Like we were doing all these things that are like part of the the cinema process now. Yeah. But it's just like, it's cool because you were able to translate that into what you actually did as a profession later on in life um like cuz photo and video that was a that was a big big part of your life.
0: Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I did that for like 30% of my life has been spent doing that. Just behind the camera. And yeah. Oh, yeah. That, and it
1: starts with that, you know, you're 4 or 5 years old behind the camera or even in front of the camera acting in these things that you got these little shorts that you guys were producing. Um but I do kind of want to touch on like when you first started picking up a camera and kind of like those early days, like was it exposure to like disposable cameras or was it like a digital video camera? Like I know you said your grandpa had like the VCR, VHS rather, <laughs> <Yeah>. that whole <laughs> shoulder cam.
0: Yeah. So I got, I mean, I got introduced to like movies young. I mean, everybody right. watches movies growing up, but um, each one of my siblings, we all had kind of like our one Disney movie we watched a lot. Um, you know, like one of my siblings watched. uh, No way. Already? No way.
1: (laughs) Cool, all right. God damn it. All right. (laughs) So we just had a little technical difficulty because the light turned off.
0: and it's nighttime and we're filming at night.
1: And we're filming at night and our key light decided to take a break. It's okay because we have alternatives and we thought about this. Yep. Here we are. All right. Cool. So, um, so we were talking about, um, being a kid and shooting videos with your sisters and yep. being in that space of like kind of like realizing that, uh, well, realizing now that you were actually like, doing a full production
0: yeah so early early on this was mostly at my grandparents house so uh, we spent a lot of time there as kids when i was four five six years old um and each of us had kind of our own our one disney movie that we really liked um you know my sisters watched a lot of princess movies mine was uh, nightmare before christmas which is still one of my all-time favorite movies um but yeah my grandpa had one of those old uh big uh vhs camcorders that recorded just straight onto a vhs so we could record a video of us and then immediately take it out and pop it in the the vcr and watch it um the camera even had like fade in black fade in white and fade out black (laughs) and white as well so for cinematic purposes of course (laughs) right so we, we were basically running like a multi-million dollar full production uh at my grandma's house with the palm quarter. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And so we used to do, we would write out little storylines that were kind of just like off the cuff. We'd come up with these ideas um, and just shoot these little videos around my grandparents' house, um, which later led to, you know, we we would grab like her whiteboard markers off the fridge. She had like magnetic whiteboards that we would take off and we would write like our the titles of the movies or like scene one, like stuff like that. Um, and those would, you know, fade in black scene and then like <laughs> it would it would come off the screen. So, you know, we we were do, we were doing that stuff for fun at an early age, um, which, yeah, I guess later on, like I have had kind of been doing that stuff a little bit. Yeah.
1: And it's funny, like at the time, obviously, you guys didn't think too much about it. You know, it's just like you were just doing it because it was fun. And it was like it's it's <laughs> it's like your parents probably saw it and were like, oh, they're just Kids having fun, being kids. Yeah. They didn't even think about like, oh wow, th- those guys
0: are doing something. <laughs> well, and and like literally right now as we're talking about it, you know, years later, I'm I'm remembering um, situations where at at my dad's house growing up, we used to have this one album. Um, it was called like it was like Halloween music. I don't remember what was on it, but I remember, and I think every kid kind of did this at one point, but I remember selling tickets to our show. We did a show to this, uh, album we had, it was like a Halloween album that had like, you know, werewolves of London love potion number nine. Uh, we were just talking about, uh, monster mash, monster mash. It had a bunch of Halloween related songs on it that, um, you know, we had a production, we had a play, we had a live show. Of we sold course. tickets. Of course. And what's funny is is and I've been like this ever since. Uh, I don't like to be like on camera performing. I don't like to perform. I don't like to dance. And so even then, I think I was the ticket salesman. <laughs> so like even back then, I was just I was all about that money, baby. Yeah. I was pushing those tickets. You know, I was trying put to, me in the box office. <laughs> baby. Exactly. You know, I was just uh, I was the numbers guy. Right. Um, or behind the camera. So
1: yeah and that's like a it transitioned into you know you being behind the camera for the rest of like cuz you were never really like the guy that was like in front like you were never like super like actory you know no. like you didn't want to be the main star like you liked mm-hmm. to be the production guy Yeah yeah
0: and that's uh I mean that makes sense because that's what you that was the role you played as a kid Exactly I actually remember I re- I will remember the moment probably for my entire life I remember when the first skate video I ever made. Yeah. Because I had gotten into skateboarding early, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but I remember the first time I realized, like, oh, we can make videos of this. Yeah. We were skating in my driveway. We had a piece of uh, plywood that there was like a crack in my driveway that we could like put the plywood into so we could roll onto it smooth. Yeah. And we put the rail underneath it. And a good friend of ours, Evan, had uh, kick flipped off of it which at the time was crazy, crazy. Yeah. So I like ran inside and grabbed my mom's camcorder, which at the time, I mean, it, it looks, it it looked like one of these. Yeah. Like this is what I grabbed. A little digital point and shoot. Yeah. yeah. Which it was probably 2004. Okay. Um, And I remember shooting the first skate video I had ever shot on on one of these. Like that was, <laughs> like legitimately that is the start to like my entire career.
1: Like, yeah, and I'm glad that you talk about that because that, that is definitely something I wanna, you know, touch on because skateboarding and and videography that had like a direct, they, they grew in tandem with each other because as you grew in skateboarding, you grew in your videography career because that's what you were filming. I remember back in the day, you mentioned Evan, you know, you guys were skating at your house all the time. He lived right up the road. So he'd be up, the, up at your house skating Every day almost. Yep, right. Um, you know, driveway, garage sessions. I remember one time you guys made a video of, like uh Santa, like you guys dressed in like a Santa costume Christmas or something. Garage-tage. Christmas garage Taj. To- Christmas garage. I'll put a clip right here. Yep. <laughs> yep, it's still on YouTube. You can look yeah. it up. <laughs> so it's like like those times, you know, like that yep. was like the beginning yep. of you like realizing, like, hey, I can film videos and then add music on them. I can edit them. Yep and what were you using like early
0: on like what was that setup like so it was yeah like a point and shoot little camera that my mom had um we had um windows movie maker was free yep and (laughs) i'll never forget this either this is the funniest i think about this all the time so back in the day card readers weren't a thing you couldn't put a card in a card reader and like they weren't built into your computer, so you had to plug in your camera. Yeah. Um. And I spent three hours trying to figure out how to get footage from my camera to my computer, but I didn't know you had to turn the camera on. <laughs> so, like, it, it was plugged in, but I didn't realize that the camera had to be on. Right. Uh, I mean, I was probably, like, 10. Right, right, right. But I, I vividly remember just being, like, really, really fucking pissed when I, like… Because it took three hours. Yeah, when I realized, it. like, oh… it has to be have power
1: never forget
0: (laughs) yeah so that'll that'll live with me forever um but i remember i remember using windows movie maker for the first time and making titles yeah because you could have them like move across the screen yeah which like at the time was super sick for sure animating Um, transitions yeah yep so that that led into um you know just me progressing in video stuff as well as skateboarding Which very quickly, um, that was probably 2006, 2007, which is when like video game recording started to become like really popular. That's right.
1: So then that was the next avenue was just like, cause you were always playing video games, but then like being able to play Call of Duty, Halo, all these guys that you were like already playing online, that's when like the montages are coming out. And then you, I remember you were filming like recording, like screen recording basically these games and then editing montages with like dubstep. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i remember that yeah so very quickly like in the call of duty world that was what that was what really pushed me to become better on the film and editing side because you would find these groups of guys online or kid. i mean we were all kids we're we're 12 years old yeah meeting strangers online we were making uh xbox clans right groups of people that we would be friends on myspace we would be friends on xbox we would all change our names to have the same like code tag yeah yeah so like the one i was a bunch of a part of a part of a bunch of them um <laughs> but the one i strictly remember was s7 it was just the letter s7 and then like we each had our own word so mine was king with a q instead of a g wow so it was s7 king and i was our video editor so every two or three days i would have a uh, media files which i don't know if or media fire i don't i don't know if media fire exists oh, anymore yeah yeah i know what you're talking about though yeah so i would have media fire links sent to me via skype they and, were and like their files. gameplay yeah yeah so they would record it themselves i would get sent them and like once a month we'd put out a, a s7 montage, montage. Yeah, yeah and i was the editor and so i had never had clips in the videos i was just the editor wow but we would have we would do like you know six-man games where like i would you know play with the team and you like i wasn't very good that's and th- why you weren't and this, in is actually, this is this is a trend through like everything i was never the best skateboarder so i was always the one filming and editing i was never the best trick shotter so i was always the one editing um and yeah i remember they always called me the uh the one spin chump in in yeah. the call of duty world because like my trick shots i would just do a 360 yeah 360 people. no scope <laughs> so i was i was the one spin chump like that was that was it so uh but that just progressed me to like get better at editing and learning up like you know music syncing and color correcting and uh which later led to special effects and you know it was just this snowball of like i can get better than the last time i did this i can get better than the last time i did this and just furthermore pushing that craft
1: yeah and that's kind of on that same vein of like just like being like your own competition where it's just like your video you're trying to one up your own last video where it's like every time you come up with a montage you're like what
0: other thing can i do to make this better yeah yeah and i mean there was always people doing stuff better which at the time i you know i accredited a lot to just equipment i mean i was on like a and again i don't know why all these details just stick in my head but i was on like a hp in, Inspiron like 2001 computer and oh, it was like shit. 2008 at the time so this yeah. computer's like you know probably had like you know 500 megabytes of ram crazy which now is just insane Nothing. like that would never happen not even yeah like your watch probably has more ram than that <laughs> like like it, you know just thinking back like i was i was accrediting a, a lot of my faults to just like well you know i, I don't have Uh, 25 hours to put into this montage. You know, it needs to be out now. You know, I need to like throw on some Skrillex and call it a day.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like early on, though, when you were like realizing that like editing takes time and it's like kind of getting in that bag of like, especially with a setup like you had, like you were making these edits on like a 500 megabyte RAM. Like that probably took you like 30 hours to do a fucking
0: five minute video oh yeah i mean the early days like torrenting the cre- oh, yeah. creative cloud shout yeah, out yeah. adobe for not suing me but yeah it was like, like cs3 <laughs> yeah i mean i remember i remember doing after effects for the t- first time and just i had like watched some tutorials on like 3d uh editing and just pulling up after effects and just being completely overwhelmed for sure because it's just like so not linear to the way that like uh, you know, timeline linear editing is, yeah. and just looking at it and being like totally freaked out.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, even even now, you know, it's like if you go into it thinking it's like a video editing software, it's just like you're like totally thrown off because it's like it's not that. You know, it's a compositing software, and uh, it's funny because it's like like uh, back then there was not a lot of education, yeah. so it's like these like the kids that were getting into it, they were going into it blind. They yeah. didn't have tutorials. YouTube wasn't really huge in that world. You know, yeah. it's like there were maybe a couple of videos, but it's just like it wasn't accessible. Like the information wasn't as as, as accessible. So you were kind of like bootstrapping it, figuring it out yourself. You know what I mean? So it's like when you open up these programs and like they don't tell you how to necessarily like use them step by step, it's just kind of like it is overwhelming. I remember yeah. that, that being a thing. It's like-
0: yeah, I mean, it was more just I was just trying to see what I could create by myself. Yeah. So, you know, doing I remember a a lot originally. I don't I don't know why we did this, but um, I would color correct in After Effects. Like I would like make a whole video and I would send it to After Effects just to color correct because in the early days I don't know if Premiere like had the color yeah. color correction or um. It, a lot in the early days too i was using a lot of sony vegas and their color right. correction wasn't that great so right. i would i would export a full video send it into after effects color in after effects and then export it from there um which wow. you know one thing again snowballed from from another and cinema 4d became a staple where i was making um you know 3d images in there and like lighting those images in a, a 3d world um which like even now, I don't think I could I could do that. Like I was doing stuff fifteen years ago that I don't think I could do now because I was just more dedicated back then.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Cinema 4D—that's like that
0: was probably like the early days of Cinema 4D. Like, yeah, I I want to say back then it was a free software. Yeah, which it might still be. I don't know, but back then I I don't think we had to illegally download that one. <laughs> I think that shit was free.
1: <laughs> that's so funny. It's like we come from a time where it's just like. Nothing was a subscription service. This is like, no, you got to pay like $6,000. <laughs> yeah, dude. The, like, the, original,
0: ah. the original Adobe software is, I mean, yeah, you're looking at like... Hundreds. Four or 500 bucks. Easy. For one, one piece li- of software. Yeah, one license. Yeah, for nothing was... Just Photoshop. Nothing was bundled. On, yeah. yeah. Shout out Pirate Bay. Like, you made my whole early adulthood, childhood, like... For sure. And I mean...
1: I think there is something to be said about like shareware in that way where it's just like it 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 kind of started a lot of c- careers, you know, where it's just like although at the beginning the, we weren't making money off of this stuff. So it's like no. all this stuff was just like it's not like we were doing it maliciously. It was like because we wanted to learn, we wanted to know how to use these softwares and we were we were we were gatekeeped out of it because we didn't have money because we were kids. Yeah. So it's just like, yes, we want to do this stuff. Yes, we know that we need this stuff to do this stuff, but we don't have the money to get this stuff. So it's yeah. like we have to find a way to do it. And to be honest, like had you not had the access to this software early on, you might not be where you are today because you would not have been able to like strengthen those muscles because you wouldn't have had the software to do so
0: well yeah i mean like you said like we weren't doing it maliciously like we just wanted to have fun right we were literally just having fun exactly we wanted to make videos we wanted to have the tools and it's it's like most things in our world if you make it accessible it will all get better i mean the amount of free software that exists nowadays is like insane compared to what existed 15 years ago. Yeah. 100%. There's so many free softwares that are have incredible tools, 3D whatever, effects, color correction, tracking, motion like all that stuff built in, completely free. Like yeah. that 15 years ago that was not a thing.
1: Not at all. No, for sure. And it was like it was almost like the the gatekeeping uh buy money, like the uh I guess the paywalls were a lot higher. Than they, were, than they are now. I mean, even now with like the, the subscription service, it makes it more accessible. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, instead of paying six, 700 bucks one-time fee, although at the end of the day, that's a better deal if you're paying five years worth of a $50 subscription every month. Right. But $50 per month... Yep sometimes feels a little less of a blow than $600 all at once. Yep. So it's like, even now, because the you know software industry has realized that pirating is a thing and people like to not pay for shit, that's why subscriptions came into play. Where they're just like, okay, let's make it accessible for you so you feel like it's manageable, but then also we don't lose money on pirating. Yeah, then you're paying six hundred bucks a year. Instead exactly. Of, instead of six hundred bucks one time. Exactly, and yeah. that's how they like justify. Where it's just like you're still paying for it. Yeah. The only difference is now you don't own it. Yeah. And it's like so. Really, at the end of the day, after two after one year, you've already made your money back. Had you just paid for that one yeah. six hundred dollars license? I mean,
0: there's a reason that I use Premiere Rush, which is the free Premiere. Oh, that's, really? That's all I use. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, shout out Premiere Rush. Shout out Premiere Rush, dude. <laughs> On your PC or mobile.
1: <laughs> not mac um no um, uh, no I, I love creative cloud and it's, but it's just like it is funny like back in the day though how like so many people that are now making a living using these softwares on paid subscriptions yep like people that are using these softwares legitimately now started with in illegitimate software yeah
0: yeah i mean where else do you start
1: Right. Unless you are in school that you paid for or you're paid for your own like subscription. Well, not even subscription. For your own license back in the day. Because it's just like the only reason why you were able to use, like the only reason why I used Creative Cloud back, well, it was called Creative Suite back in the day. Creative Suite, yeah. And that was CS3. It was Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop because I was in graphic design in 2009. In school, in Granville. So it's like, if I would have not taken that class, I would not have access to that software because I didn't have access to the, or I didn't have, I wasn't on those computers if I wasn't in that class.
0: And I remember, I remember because, I remember when CS4 came out. Yeah. That was when they had... um,
1: It was like 2011, I think.
0: Yep, that was when they first launched the... um, uh fuck what do they call it where you can select a area and like scrub it and it will uh fix it what is the oh the content aware that was when they first launched content aware uh fill right i remember that just being like this is crazy, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: And it was like almost like early days of like AI in a yeah, way, where yeah. it's I like mean, utilizing com- like
0: existing information to yep. fill in the blanks. Yeah, which yeah, I mean that's the same. There was an effect we used to use in Call of Duty, I called Twixter. Yeah, that um, they would take a twenty-four frame uh clip of footage, and you could slow it down to sixty, oh. and it would use it would like use adaptive frames. It would detect kind of what you know, if this was 60 frames, what would it look like? That's interesting. Uh, and it's so obvious. Like you can, I can spot it from a mile no. away when they use it. Yeah. But even back then I would be like, that's sick. It looked like shit, but yeah. uh, we'd be like, that's pretty cool. If you go from 24 to 60, that's kind of a stretch, dude. Yeah. That's like three times. Well, yeah. that was also, <laughs> that, that was also an illegal software we downloaded. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had a shitload of like plugins that we just, we just ripped off the internet. Um, that we just used, um, a lot of color correcting. I remember we, we illegally downloaded a lot of that shit. Um, yeah. And it was all in the sake of fun. I didn't make yeah. money off any of that stuff. It was just for fun and learning. And I mean, there's actually a couple of the trick shotting guys. I'm still friends with on Facebook. Like, oh, still really? To this day. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Like two of them. I'm still friends with on Facebook. Jeez. That I met that we've never met in real life. That was like but 2008, nine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Jeez, literally like 15 years ago, I still know these guys.
1: It's crazy, man. I mean, that's it was a big part of your life, man. Yeah. I mean, that's like, like, I mean, that's just we're and we're just talking about video games now, and like that wasn't yeah. even like you know moving forward with the photo and video stuff. You know, I kind of want to talk into like getting into high school because that's when you really started like dialing in on like, okay, this is this is kind of this is the thing now. Like yeah. you were. At this point, you had your own gear. Mm-hmm. You were starting to like take photos professionally, and then also like videos as well as like a passion project, making like sketch videos. You got into AV really early on. Yep. Oh, uh, didn't you get in freshman year? Uh, my sophomore year. Sophomore year. Okay, yep. so you were in AV club, um, sophomore year of high school, and that's that's when you really in school setting, I guess. You 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 de- you deep dove in that class. I remember you were kind of one of like the star pupils of like that class
0: yeah so my older brother was in it when he was in high school which was like 2007 era um so i i kind of had a little in there but i also think they went off of like your last name so mine just being like early on the list because i think they choose like 10 sophomores a year get into those classes in some facet and so i was one of those and um i started making videos with a group of guys in 2010 um and we were just mainly doing skits we were either recreating skits we had seen online shot for shot right and trying to make them like as accurate as possible or just writing like ridiculous scripts that we could do and trying to practice special effects we had seen online, right? Again, just flexing those muscles, mimicking. Can we do this thing that we saw? Right. Is basically what we were doing, right? Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's how you learn. You know, it's almost
1: like you're taking inspiration from these guys that are already doing it. You know, like the uh, um, what was his name with a with a J? Uh, the guys like uh, where he had like the cat in the uh, um, Julian Smith, Julian Smith, Julian Smith, Smosh. You know, these guys, you know, these guys that are like that are doing it on that level, that are making these sketches that are going viral at yep. the time. And you know, cause YouTube started in two thousand five. And so by the time you were we were doing this, two thousand ten, like that was a thing. Yep. You know, like you could make a channel and like have a career as a with a channel, even though that was like really probably like right when they started the YouTube creator program and the partner program, all that stuff, where it was just like, people were actually getting paid for these these videos, like mm-hmm. the Smosh guys and the Julian Smiths of the world, Ray William Johnson, even though he was just doing like the viral- Something different, like yeah. Something yeah. a little bit different, but still like making videos online was like a, a thing. So that yeah. I feel like that was like our early inspiration for like sketch comedy and being able to like recreate these videos that you saw online, because that was the inspiration, you know, the Julian Smith videos, like the Malk
0: that's stuff like that julian smith julian smith i can attribute to a huge uh, amount of my inspiration and just like overall just like the realization that like oh shit like people do this for a living yeah you know that that was that early you know you look at people like now like key and peel yeah doing those type of like short skit things like i wasn't we weren't really exposed to stuff like that like before then so youtube was that first like oh, like you can write like a three minute script and like it can be really good and tell a full story and be interesting. And like, it doesn't have to be an hour long. Yeah. Same thing like Whitest Kids You Know. Yes, Like oh, yeah. You, you throw it back to all those, I mean. Right. Lonely Island, like the songs, yep. like they're, yep. you know, the the possibilities, I was getting exposed to so many different like, oh, that's a cool idea. Oh, that's a cool idea. Oh, that's a cool idea. And then came around this YouTube channel called Film Riot, which a bunch of people probably know now but at the time they were showing special effects and how to do them so not only were we seeing special effects we were seeing how to do it we had access to the software so every day in class it was like okay let's see if we can make you run through a wall okay let's see if we can make it look like i shoot you in the face with a gun and your head explodes yeah so every day was just like let's see if we can do this and like we were getting school credit for it
1: right yeah it's like exercises in video production based off what you saw was possible
0: right and we wrote a 30 second script around this one simple idea we wanted to do
1: yeah dude i mean that's like it's cool that you were able to have exposure to that early on in the school setting because that's like that's the stuff that people do on like a full scale but they're like getting paid to do it (laughs) yeah it's like it's so cool that like as it as a kid you know sophomore year in high school you're already having these thoughts and like like realizing that like this stuff that we're seeing online we could easily do this we have the software we have the gear we have the all this stuff we have the know-how yep. now it's just about execution yeah and then figuring out how to like like edit it on the back end yep yeah man i love that and i think i'm so glad that you like like uh you talk about like the julian smith and like that era of YouTube, because I think that was really important to show us that it was like it was possible to be like like a um, a video creator as a profession, and it was like that was early on. Like even if we didn't think about it like that, it was just like it showed us that it was possible. So I think you know early on, like you know, I was I was filming skate videos back in the day, and you know, even seeing like people making videos, I was like, that's like a thing, like. You yeah. can do videos and, like, that's all they do? Yeah. Like, I remember thinking about that. And, like, that was crazy in 2005, 6,
0: 7. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing um, the first time I realized, like, that I really wanted to do it. It was, um, well, the one time I had a dream that will probably never happen. I don't think it will ever happen. But... Seeing Pretty Sweet, the skate video. Oh, pretty sweet. Dude, Spike Jones. Pretty sweet? No, that's a girl. That's a girl Girl, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ty Evans. It's a girl chocolate. Yes. Ty Evans shot that whole thing. Yeah. I believe. Uh, Yeah, it was was shot by Ty Evans, directed by By Spike Spike Jones. Jones. Yes. Yeah. So, seeing that, as well as reminiscing on the DC video from 2001 and um, Girl, yeah, right. Yep. All those three videos are uh, all very important videos in my life yeah specifically though pretty sweet yeah i remember illegally downloading it skipping class and watching it the day it came out yep and just thinking to myself if i can do this for a few years of my life i'll be happy yeah like doing this is a dream like going out skating filming skaters that are obviously much better than me but putting Those special effects that I've practiced and I've learned online into my my hobby—that's skateboarding, my my sport—like that would be the ultimate crossover. Uh, So pretty sweet gets a lot of shit online. Like I'll talk to other skaters, and they don't—they're not a big fan of pretty sweet, just because it—it was kind of one of the first like full HD directed skate videos. Yeah, but that to me means something so much different.
1: Yeah, for sure, dude. And I'm I'm glad that you bring that up because like skate videos were like the beginning of like what inspired us to like want to because i remember like i mean we grew up skateboarding so it's like when we were set like two thousand seven, eight, we were watching skate videos as like a hangout thing like we would hang out with our
0: friends and just watch skate videos yeah i have a i have an informal list in my head of every skate video i've watched with friends ex- ex- exactly it, it lives dude. forever in my head for sure and like
1: same you know and like in um yeah right and Mindfield and the dc video stay gold state St- america baker stay gold, baker baker three baker, baker 3. as a death wish dude. all these videos they're like they're staples fully flared <sighs> bro one of the best videos of all time and that was another spike jones so fully flared Spike Jones. Yeah, right. Spike Jones. Pretty sweet. Spike Jones. Yep. All three of them and they're all some of my favorite skate videos of all time. But it's funny because like at the time you could say Spike Jones to me and I wouldn't know who the fuck that is. But then you could say yeah, right, pretty sweet and fully flared yep. and I'd know exactly what you're talking about yep. because they all had a different feel to them I just didn't know that it was yep. Spike Jones but that's inspiration yeah
0: certain certain songs actually play here at the shop like when I'm on shift um no cars go yeah. will play here all the time and that's the song that Mike Moe used in Fully Flared oh the first and, part yep and I still like remember it like each like bar of the song I know like what trick he was doing at what spot <laughs> because I've watched that video so oh, many times That's I love like that one of my favorite songs one of my favorite video parts like I love Mike Mo, love that you know that video um yeah a lot of a lot of the music that plays here comes from from video parts dude I I love that
1: so much because it's like like I feel like um in in our lives I mean in my life specifically and definitely in your life like skateboarding and your like passion for what you do in life like like we're completely tied together yeah. you know it's like for me it was yeah bike. downtown grand rapids baby biker gang baby <laughs> for me it was like uh you know the music The video, the skateboarding, and, like, everything about it, like, the entertainment part, like, everything was just super connected, always. And I felt like that was, like, really for you, too, where it's just, like, like, uh, the skateboarding played into your video production, played into, like, what you like to do on this, like, for fun, which is watching skate videos and skateboarding. So, it's just, like, it was all, it was all part of the same, like, like, world, I guess. Yeah. um, To us as kids. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy because, like, when we were watching this shit, it's like the people that were making these videos had have the same mindset that we have now as adults. Yeah. So, like, I love that so much. Like, I see, like, Spike Jones, for instance. I've watched, like, you know, a bunch of like interviews with him. The only interviews that he has because he doesn't do interviews very often. Right. You know, if yeah, you yeah. watch the Nine Club interview with him, yeah. have you seen that? <laughs> So good dude, and I and it's cool because it's like two hours of talking with Spike Jones about like his life and like where he started with like like uh what is it like I think it was called Mouse I think was one of the first videos he ever did and um and just to kind of like hear his story and like think about like where I was mentally as a kid when he was making pretty sweet. Or when he was making Yeah Right, you know, because that was one of the first ones where he was like kind of given the reins of like, all right, go for it, you know. Right. Like Yeah Right was like, like Girl was a very early company back when that that uh, that
0: that video came out. So it was yeah, like, yeah, I mean, and yeah. doing stuff like that at the time too, because skateboarding around that time was dead. Yeah, like skateboarding. This was, was early fa- two thousands. F- yeah, skateboarding yeah. is a failing industry. Like Tony Hawk. The pro skater games I don't think had come out. They did. They, they came they out in ninety nine. Okay, so, so it was, this it was, was a little hit. after. It was so a skate, little. It was a hit. So skateboarding was on the rise, but but hiring someone like Spike Jones to you know th- to throw money at him, whether I mean I don't know what what their original conversation was, but hey, go you know direct this skate video like that's that's a gamble for sure. And I think because it was one
1: of it was one of Spike Jones's first endeavors in that realm yeah because he was shooting music videos before that right he was a big music video director so to be able to kind of like delve into like the skate video scene this was kind of like an opportunity for him so i believe if i'm not mistaken it wasn't like a he wasn't get, getting paid a lot, I don't think. So I think it was Probably more not. so like, uh, hey, let me try to do this, and they trusted him, and they were friends with him. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, it all kind of worked out, because Spike Jones was like into skateboarding. He right. wasn't like a big skateboarder. He was the homie. He was the homie. He was the filmer. He was taking photos. Was, yeah. You know, he was the one shooting photos for like the magazines and stuff. He was shooting on film, you know, black and white film with the external flashes, and figuring out like that was Spike Jones. Like before there was the video, it was like figuring out how to get the best shot on film, running through a fucking full roll of film within like a few takes because he's shooting on like, like actually (laughs) doing like film (laughs) continuous fast shutters. Like, bro, you just ran through, you know, $10 roll of film in Uh, one trick. Back
0: then, probably not $10, but that's true.
1: Yeah, (laughs) for sure. $3. Yeah but um but still it's just like it's cool that like that was uh that that's like so for him at the time it was like still like a um like hooking up the homies type of deal where it's just like or even on him you know like it was the homies giving him an opportunity yeah
0: which was so cool to do yeah to do a fun project together that ended up being i mean that's still one of the greatest skate videos of all time timeless dude and like he was
1: able to utilize his connections in the world of of film to be able to pull people in like owen you know owen wilson came in and did that part that was like fully scripted but like fake it felt like it was real real, in the context yeah yeah. but it's just like little things like that that brought those videos over the edge and you know the editing and like the the special effects and all these things you know like with the look high fully flared that Phantom cameras and dude, yeah. I mean, the whole set was rigged with explosions and they shot it on a thousand frames per second camera, which was like thousands of dollars at the time, you know, oh, like a phantom yeah. camera. Well, like that, that, that was would have like
0: what 2009, 2008, 2009, maybe even earlier, dude. Yeah, like, which, yeah, they only had like the phantom one or two, which, yeah, I think shot like a thousand, a thousand frames per frames second. second. You could only get like you know 60 seconds worth of recording time on a 512 gigabyte SSD at the time.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it's crazy because it's just like at the time that was such cutting edge technology. Yeah. And they were using it in skate videos. Yeah. Like that that's, was
0: so sick. That's dude. the ultimate example of just pushing pushing the limit. We can do this better. We yeah. We can do this better. We can do this better. Yeah. Exactly. Fully flared is is the prime example of the first first full example of a full skate video HD slow-mo Etc. special effects, you know, that's, yeah.
1: Yeah, especially in like that world where it's like all you knew was fucking Sony VX with the death lens, 480p, you know, that's it. Yeah. That's all skateboarding was up until like that era of yeah. like HD, and I think, I think Minefield was shot in HD, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, maybe not. Ah, fuck, Um, getting my time less messed up. I think like I Minefield know. came out in like six, seven, maybe. Two thousand six
0: or seven? I don't know because Minefield was Alien Workshop. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I can't remember if I don't,
1: I don't know, know if it was either HD way. Or
0: not. Whether whether they were HD or four or four three crop, like the the fully flared just had a more cinematic value to it, for sure. And where the, yeah. the lens, the lens choices they were using were much different from the other ones. Absolutely, hundred percent. Fish eyes versus zoom lenses, whatever. Yeah, and, and they were, were doing
1: using. a lot of double, double angle stuff, where it's like fisheye plus long lens. Where they had, yeah, they had a camera crew there. They had a yeah. couple
0: cameras instead of just like one dude with a you know, fucking VX, VX yeah. or whatever the Canon equivalent was.
1: Handheld stuff. Yeah. yeah the GL2 type. Yeah. The
0: GL, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Or
1: the XLs. They had the XLs too. Yeah, that was like the more cinema line. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. still on DV tapes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah man. It, it, it's cool that we were able to like live through that whole phase. Yeah. Of like, cause even like, you know, when we were in early A- AV days, like they were shooting on GL2s. Yeah. And that was like before we got the, um, the uh whatever like hvx the, T-
0: or- the t3 or yeah the the Didn't xc10s we- or whatever oh word and then and then the oh T2Is. Then we ended up getting the t2is, T2Is yeah the Is,
1: dslrs yeah because yeah. we transitioned from the video
0: cameras yeah. into the dslrs so the first year i had AV we shot on gl1s GL2s. oh wow okay yep. yeah because that was yeah Which, the early days uh mr Blevins shout out um he that like one summer because he knew we were transitioning to dslrs he let me take home an xl2 for the summer oh wow so i had an xl2 to shoot stuff over like a summer um from 2000 2010 2011. he just let me take one home which, Dude, that's sick. which like at the time those were like a couple thousand dollar cameras and for sure now i'm sure you could get one for like probably 50 bucks yeah or less <laughs>
1: <laughs> shit dude that's crazy yeah no I mean it's cool though that we were able to kind of, like see that evolution because yeah. then it's like by the time we got to where we are now or even you know five six seven years ago we were able to really appreciate that jump and like we were able to kind of like transition and already know like how to use it on like a shitty level mm-hmm. so it was like it was an easier thing where it's just like we went into it like already knowing how to use the shit. We were just like, we just had a better quality. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the age old phrase of, you know, it's, it's not what you have. It's how you know how to use it or. Yeah, absolutely. Like no. And yeah. in, in music, we say it's, it's the, it's a, it's the ear, not
1: the gear. And that's what we say in music. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same thing in video. You know, it's like you can, you can make a full scale movie on a GL2 XL2 if you have the right framing lighting script script actors it's like if you do everything else and all you're shooting on like i mean you could shoot a movie on this you know so it's just like it's all about like like what the what the what the content is versus like what you're shooting on um and that's like that's something that we were able to see really early on where it's just like well people were still making hit movies on gl2s so it's like we didn't have that like we didn't have that like almost jadedness of like, I need this to make this, yeah, you know, it's it didn't like, exist. It didn't exist at the time. It's like, well, we were doing this already. So it was just like, we had the mindset of like, we're going to make it work, you know, yeah. like whatever we got to do, we have a vision, we're going to make it happen. You know what I mean? And I think yep. that's really important that we were able to kind of live through that, um, to be able to like, um, uh, have that mindset growing up you know being a teenager being a young adult getting into this industry i guess you know what i mean as a creative right um yeah man so skateboarding and film i mean well videography that was that was huge um so you know we're talking about um, being in high school in av and that was a huge part of your life um so i want to talk about um Mr. Blevins, you know, you did say, shout out, Mr. Blevins. Yeah. Shout out, Mr. Blevins. Out Mr. He was Blevins. such a good teacher, dude. Yes, He was the man and he was just, he was the homie. And I think that was something that, like, I didn't get from a lot of teachers. But, like, he felt like he was, like, a friend. You know what I mean? And even though, like, I wasn't as close to him as you were, I know you had a really close relationship with him. Yeah. Um, But, like, he always felt like a friend.
0: Yeah, I. he was one of those teachers that from the, I think he just overall just treats every student and every person just like an adult. Yeah. Like ever since you know I'm like 14 years old in his class and he just treated me like an adult. Yeah. And like when you get treated like an adult you can learn how to act like an adult, I guess. Yeah. Um so he's very he's very like he'll give you ultimate trust until you break it. Um which is a very uh rewarding thing. Like you you have full trust from an adult at 14 years old with thousands of dollars of equipment. It's obviously all insured, but like if you fuck it up, like that's it. You you learn. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like no, no person in my entire life had ever given me that before him. So, you know, that that led to me just fully entrusting him, entrusting the class, wanting to motivate myself into the class more because I'm like, this guy trusts me. obviously there's something going on here. And that just led one thing to another over the years of later on you know him paying for me to enter a film festival and letting me skip class like because again he he understood that like what we were doing wasn't malicious it wasn't you know breaking any like laws he was entrusting and that's like yeah. the ultimate quality of a teacher that you can ever ask for
1: yeah 100 man especially in the industry like like what he was teaching in because it was he wasn't teaching math he wasn't teaching history and all that shit he was teaching audio video creatives yeah he was breeding the next creatives of the world you know that's that's the nurturing that they need you know where it's just like hey take this stuff and run with it you know what i mean almost like like take you off the leash in a way where it's just like allowing you to skip class to shoot videos you yep. know allowing you to take this thousand dollars worth of equipment and feel like you are the one in charge giving you that responsibility i think that absolutely plays into like your like um your mindset of like responsibilities as a kid of yep. uh, being 14 years old being entrusted with all these things and like being like trusted to go outside of school on school hours to shoot videos like that's something huge that i feel like um like he you know maybe just saw it as like a regular thing but like as like being a kid i still remember like that was like i I never took that like for granted i always felt like it was like a it's a special special privilege special privilege bro Where it's just like damn i get to do this. I yeah. get to do this, you know. And yeah. it, he was the one that was gift gifting us those opportunities. And I think that's like, uh, and I, I really do, you know, like, can't stress enough, like, shout out, man, like, because he was, he, he was that guy for a lot of kids, and I think that was really cool, like, because it, it, it made us feel like we could do this, like, this was a real thing, and he was like, he was, he was treating it very seriously, and he. He took the craft very seriously, and that was something that I always respected because it was just like, if you were messing around, you would get, you know, you would get reprimanded as you should because it was like, this is serious. This is not just fucking around, you know? It was just like, yeah, we're having fun with cameras, but this is a real thing, and you should take it seriously, and you should actually, like, you know, treat it like a,
0: profession not just like a hobby yeah if you want to fuck around fuck around on camera but write it into a script and make it funny and you get class credit for it exactly and then win a vinny for it (laughs) (laughs) it's like even things like that you know
1: throwing like events for us you know like (laughs) giving us awards for videos that we created Mm -hmm. and almost making it like an oscars thing like that was so cool like i remember going to the vinnies winning two vinnies and being like this
0: is amazing!
1: Yeah, Going dude. on stage yeah, and like
0: this is so cool. You look dude. forward to that all year. It's always it was always so fun. It was the best feeling. Like you felt like a fucking celebrity.
1: For sure, man. Especially in front of like
0: a hundred people. Especially you. <laughs> like you
1: had probably like five videos in the Vinnies one year, probably something like that. Sure. Like
0: you were like I know, I don't off the top of my head, I don't know. I know I know at the end of like my senior year I had because I th- I think you were only allowed to take home three trophies a year. Okay. And I know I had nine. Yeah. But I think like under my belt, I'd probably like 15 or 20. That, like <laughs> Just veteran, bro. Like I, I think, you know, like my younger sibling, like he ended up going through the course as well. But I think a couple of years after, maybe the year that he was like fi- finishing up, I think my parents donated all the Vinnies back because they reuse oh, yeah. them. Yeah. So I don't think we have any of the trophies anymore. But Damn. um we had like a, box full of them because also my older brother was in it oh wow. like, yeah he that's something. right you said that so we we had like yeah we were swimming in vinnies <laughs> we just had we were
1: swimming in vinnies bro we were
0: swimming in vinnies
1: bro you just throw the vinnie in the toilet and just piss on it like kanye with his grammy dude that's pretty much it no <laughs> no nah, nah. nah, no disrespect to the vinnies bro that shit was so cool man i i gotta say man this is like Cause I mean, obviously, you you took a lot from Mister Blevins and AV and the Vinnies and like the whole high school experience with audio video production. Yeah, um, a lot more than I did. And even in my experience, I I really felt like that had a really big impact on my life. Cause I I got into AV my senior year, and I was uh, I got directly into broadcasting
0: too. So it was Fuck like, yeah, that was it was seriously. so much fun. The My broadcasting, I still like. I was just on the news last week, um, for like some you know business related stuff and and just being on like their set because they do it live, so I yeah. was on their live set and just seeing everything. I was like, damn, this is just like fucking broadcast third hour, bro. Yeah, I do like third hour
2: broadcast.
0: <laughs> that was so much fun. Yes, I, I missed that a lot, and and that's another one of those entrusting things, yes, you know, 100%. He allowed what was our team, seven people, yep. It was seven people were allowed to put on the afternoon announcements at a high school of two thousand students. Yeah, and we didn't swear. There was no nudity. There was no fucking fucking around. Yeah, the announcements were delivered. They were coherent. They were concise. They had images. They had good audio. Like, I just I couldn't imagine if I was a teacher allowing seven. Sixteen-year-olds to do that—that that, yeah. that blows my mind for sure. I but I mean, it, it came with
1: caveats because, like, we were we were held to certain standards. Where it's just like, if you didn't do these things, you were not allowed to run the announcements. Like, if your team didn't have the topics ready, if your team didn't have the the teleprompter ready, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, did that fly go in your drink? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew you were looking at it. Oh, uh, it just this guy's <laughs> throwing me off. But it's just like 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 uh that kind of interesting thing where it's just like he like trained us to be like, hey, you have to have X Y Z done yep. if you want to do the announcements. Yep. And I remember like because third hour is basically the prep hour. The prep. Yep. And then after fourth hour,
0: that's when you would do the announcements. Twelve thirty-two. Yeah. Because I remember because we would uh we would go out to lunch which he uh, always told us i don't know about it and what do you mean going out to lunch okay because it was against the rules for right because i was in broadcasting as a junior which right everyone I was, was in his seniors i think i was the only junior in right broadcasting. everyone was in the seniors yeah. yeah so i would i would go out to lunch with um i would go out to lunch with pat oh pat harney shout out. Hahn. shout out steve han shout out steve han Zach Sambergan and Evan Coleman, we would go Dude, out to one, the
1: homies,
0: yeah, and um, so twelve thirty two, we would run up to the broadcasting door, which had no handle on the outside, right. you had To be let in from the inside, yeah, and from the field, yes, from the field, yeah. They would let me out early before Pat parked his car, yeah, so I could run, the across, Audi. so yeah, so I could run across the grass. <laughs> And oh,
1: because you were driving through the, the yeah, be, speed
0: bumps. Yes, because I because if I went in through the main doors, they would check my ID. Yes, the so, Mr. Kenaiel. Yes, which I filmed his daughter's wedding. <laughs> but so they, I would run across the field, and I remember uh, Blevins letting me in through yeah. the side door. Wow, he which, saw you run in. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, he'd be doing the announcements, and he'd he'd shake his head. like Get in here, and yeah, because that
1: was right by broadcasting. That door, yeah, that was that yeah, hall, that was like that hall, the hallway, yeah, with the library.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he would let me in, and I remember him just being a little upset, but he, it would be one of those, like, you don't tell, I don't tell, kind yeah. of, things. yeah, <laughs> you know, like, slap on the wrist. Yeah. But hey, yeah, because I mean, good. because again, at least he, you're here, he treated us like an adult, yeah, it's not like I was off like doing you know black tar heroin For during sure. lunch, like I was just going to get you know, uh, steak sandwiches. at Pat's house yeah
1: hey dude shout out and, Tammy and dude. cranberry
0: spritzers I remember she made us those a bunch too dude. just cranberry juice and sparkling water
1: shout out Tammy that was great <laughs> I yeah. love that oh uh, man I uh, I love that dude I mean yeah shout out Mr. Blevins I mean it's just like the AV program was amazing I mean I I, I credit a lot of my um, my early creative like uh, endeavors to that senior year of like I had basically all electives. And I I strategically planned it that way, so like I think the whole year I had like maybe two core classes the yeah. whole year. So it was like all art, broadcasting, AV, band and it was just like all creative stuff
0: so all year. My schedule my senior year both semesters was the same. It was math first hour. Yep. And then it was my um independent study, which yep. first semester was a film examination study which was just watching Amazing. movies. And second semester it was a special effects thing that Amazing. I created. Uh third hour's broadcasting, fourth hour I had uh a science course I think. Uh fifth hour I had AV again. Yep. And then sixth hour was uh art class i love so, that so much which bro. second hour i slept uh both semesters every single day <laughs> <laughs> independent study baby! i was studying with my eyes closed yeah,
1: i'm studying i'm just i'm just picturing it <laughs> that's pretty much what it was dude i love that so much so um so past high school um you got you you got into a position where you, you wanted to go to film school and you wanted to go to a uh, a school called. MPI, Motion Picture Institute. Yep. And you were in a position where you needed to pay for admissions and you needed yep. to submit your own videos. Yep. And Mr. Blevins actually came in and helped you out with that. Yeah, And that was, I think, something that was really important because yeah. that means that he saw a lot of potential in you because he invested his own
0: money yeah into you yeah so it would have been let me think it would have been like april 2012 so april 2012 there was a film festival at the daft the detroit art film and television festival in detroit um so what that was it was um high school students were allowed to enter films that they had made into a festival circuit where they were evaluated by real uh like festival judges um so i think each entry was 15 bucks and so i would have been like 16 years old and i don't think i had a job at the time or maybe i did but i had no money okay um so the like letter had come to the high school for him to like share with students and he was I was the only one that he like came to and was like hey you should enter this so i had had a couple films i had shot a wedding the previous summer that i had just like sitting around um i had like a mini documentary i'd made and then i had a like dramatic psa like this like ridiculously dramatic like 16 yeah like it was like it was like about underage drinking is so bad yeah uh so i had i had three films and i wanted to enter all of them and he was like i'll tell you what i'll enter i'll pay for all of them and like if you don't take any place like who cares you know you can enter and like whatever happens happens so we i enter them in and i get a letter in the mail that all of them had placed in the top five or ten or something like that and um one had been selected in the top for best of show, um, so I got invited to to Detroit to go to the ceremony. Um, and the grand prize of the whole festival was a eleven thousand dollars scholarship to go to college. Which at the time, you know, I did have a job. I worked at Walgreens, um, and my parent like I wanted to go to this film school that we had applied to. And my my parents took me on like a visit to go see it. And they told me that I wasn't allowed to formally apply until I'd saved up a grand. Okay. Um, which would have been like a 10% down payment. Right. Um, so I was, one, I was working a lot to save up a grand, which I, when you're in high school, you're working a lot. two shifts a week max. Easy. At yeah. 740 an hour, like, yeah, how much are we really talking here? You know, yeah. I'm making $100 a week. Yeah, for sure. Still paying for my own gas part of my own insurance as well so like yeah you know i'm making next to nothing right um so i win this festival so they give me a full ride scholarship um plus i had put 500 bucks towards a down payment so they end up giving me that back which was sick yeah um and it was all paid for like i wouldn't have done it if it weren't for 11 11 yeah man i mean but that was like that was your
1: Almost like um like the platform that you had to jump off of where it was just like he he knew like he saw in you that was the reason why he reached out to you. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. he saw that like this kid is not like everyone else. You know, he knew that like you were gonna be somebody, I guess, in the industry. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Where he's just like, this dude could do something, he has potential. I know that if he buckles down, he can do something with this and yep. that's like that's like another reason why like I I wanted to kind of like go on that like talking about Blevins because it's like that was that was something that like your your parents could never be that person. You know what no. I'm saying like like you has to be someone in that field yep. that sees the potential that's willing to invest in you and i'm so glad that he was that person because you know he was so close to you so that had a lot of influence on you so i'm sure like going into film school that was like one of those things where it's just like i got to like i got to like put on for my boy you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, i got to yeah. like you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean my goal i remember um thinking to myself when i was there like man like i just have to make something that i can make some money off of and then i'll like pay him back like that was the goal yeah like which never really happened via film there was a number of years later where he was um he was raising some money for like a relative and i had like a shitload of cash i don't remember how i had so much money at the time but i like sent him everything i had wow um which handed up um they ended up like figuring out whatever it was with the relative. I don't remember what it was, but he ended up all the money that he raised from like friends. He ended up donating to charity, so it was like fine but yeah i was I think I had like four or five hundred bucks, and I just like gave it all to him
1: wow, yeah, man i and I feel like that was probably something for him like man, this guy's so like just another <laughs> like full circle moment for him, you know, as an adult, like I knew this guy was you know. Like
0: a special kid. Not a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal, dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, so going to MPI, a motion picture institute, that was that, you know, a big deal. Um, yep. being a kid. And you were 18 at the time, right? Yep. Or, yeah. 18. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So going into MPI, um, I know you say like obviously like the motive, um, as a kid, you know, was like, I want to pay this guy back, you know, I I can't believe he did this for me type deal. But the school aspect itself, when you got into it, was it um was it easier or
0: harder than you expected it to be? Uh, it was way easier. Okay. Because what I didn't realize going into it, and what a lot of people, I guess, I, I guess it makes sense now that I think about it. Or, you know, I, I thought about it very soon after. Was people go to this school to learn from the basics, right? So you know, day one, I go into editing class, and they're like okay so this is premiere pro and like <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is how it works and like i had been using it for like almost a decade at that point yeah. so i was just like okay well uh so i mean i went up to almost all my teachers that didn't have to do with on set or pre or post or like you know an intense post production and i tested out of all the classes wow so like the first semester me and my two roommates like we were kind of like just checked out because yeah. we had been doing this for a while like we didn't need to learn like what shutter speed meant we didn't need to learn what color temperature was yeah like all the vocab like we we kind of just so they gave us all of our tests like within the first week or two weeks or whatever and we just like psh, did them fine like i remember the first editing class we got raw footage from a music video and we were told what song it went with and we just had to edit the music video and it was pretty easy yeah i think we all did it like that night and we literally we didn't see our editing teacher for the first like 100 days (laughs) we just we just we're done
1: it's like hey uh we'll catch up with you when when you're at our level
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there was like that there was like like we had a whole like like month course on like file storage and like organization which which like for some people like they've never done that right so like it does make sense like yeah. I, I don't like think, folder
1: hierarchy and yeah shit like and that. like i don't
0: yeah. think those people are stupid but they've just never done it so yeah it makes sense and like we just we were able to like kind of talk to them and just be like hey you know we've been kind of doing this so can we just not do this here yeah because we also work full-time jobs all of us and yeah. they were just like yeah whatever it's fine
1: so yeah, I mean, it. I guess it. It is kind of cool being in that position, but at the same time, it's like, damn. Like I thought this was like the elite of the elite, and like all yeah. these like wannabes are in this class. You know, yeah. it's just like, damn. Y'all don't think this is common sense? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's that's a tough part because
0: I think that's a lot of trade schools. Yeah, because in a lot of you know regular schools, you know, like you know whatever they're called. Whatever whatever colleges are called, tier one college. Yeah. Whatever. 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 Normal college. Like yeah. MSU, let's say. Like yeah. when you get a degree, that like has something to it. When you go to a trade school, you just get a certificate saying yeah. like this person just knows what's going on somewhat. Yeah. That's kind of what a trade school certificate is. Yeah. And you're not really told that ahead of time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But looking back, I don't I don't know if film school is all worth my while because like most things in art self-taught is just as accessible as schooling
1: yeah so at the end of it all like mpi was like a cool experience you know but it, it wouldn't have necessarily moved the needle for you as far as like progressing in your film career because it didn't teach you too much or yeah did you te- Did
0: did it teach you some things that you didn't expect to learn? It taught me a lot about um, just onset protocol and okay. professionalism. Um, so, like when you're on set, there's certain things you can and cannot do. There's certain things you can and cannot say. There's certain keywords that you need to understand. Um, it also taught me that like working on movies is not for me. Like we we did it we did the on set thing we built sets we set up shots we did whatever and i just realized early on like this is just too slow for me yeah i i don't want to set up for an hour and a half to shoot 30 seconds of footage yeah i'm too impatient for that and you know you've got guys working 16 18 20 hour days for at the time the starting day rates for paid positions which most on most movies at least at the time we're unpaid. Yeah. But if you had a paid position, you start at a hundred bucks a day. Okay. And like fast forward to now, like imagine making a hundred bucks a day. That's crazy. That's for insane. Like 12 hour days. Yeah. Oh, they'd be longer. Most, most movie sets, you're 16 hours minimum. <sighs> if you're not in it, especially if you're non-union. Yeah. You're doing longer. Ooh. So I, I realized literally within my first week of school that it, I would take a stab at it, but I knew deep down it was not for me.
1: You know, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you bring that up because that's that that's actually part of the notes where I had like a question where it's just like at the end of it all, did you feel like it was something that was necessary for you in your film career or if it was something that it kind of like it was necessary to show you that that's not what you wanted to do in life and that's that's the answer to that question right there where it's just like you went through it because it was a passion of yours, yeah, but then you went through it and it showed you that like long term, this is not where i see myself and that's like i'm glad that it happened so early at 18 19 years old for you because you know this is these are things people go into those schools at 35 40 years old and then realize that's not what they want to do but by that point it's way too late for them to pivot so it's kind of like that was like a blessing in disguise that you were able to go to the school for minimal money for you know i mean yeah basically paying my
0: my rent my apartment bills that was it and food and exactly
1: living so it's like you were working a job to pay for your expenses but school was completely taken care of yep so it was just like that was a blessing for you to like not have to pay for school and then still get the lessons that you needed which was that this is not what i want to do yeah it's funny i mean and some people learn those lessons hard where it's like they pay tens of thousands of dollars to realize that that that's not what they want to do. And like we talk about, you know, regular collegiate schools that happens every single day Yeah. where it's like these kids go to school at these, these regular colleges pay $20,000 a year and then they don't know what they want to do and then end up like throwing it down the tube. So it's just like, like the fact that happened to you so early and like kind of let you know, like, that you you don't want to do that but then like you were also able to like realize like but i still have the talent you know i could still make a living off of this but i just don't have to be on film sets i don't have to be in feature films short films you know i don't i don't have to be in that world but still i can make content and like you can you can take these things professionally right um but it's like uh, I, I do kind of want to talk into like the next transition, which would be coffee, and, you know. Yeah. Right. So that's like you started in Lantern and you said, what was it? 2016. 16. 16. Yeah. So that was like, what was that, like a year or two after you graduated two from years, MPI? Two years after I graduated. Okay. So wait, actually, before coffee, did you go into Coastline? before coffee yes so, so coastline you were working so we should maybe talk about coastline real quick cause that was kind of a brief yeah. stint in your life where I you mean, were working some pretty big gigs. i mean i
0: worked for coastline for eight years
1: oh so it started out with coastline you were working through when you still worked at
0: yeah. lantern yep okay so i so coffee actually starts when i was in college okay so i so amazon subscriptions had just come out okay and so amazon subscriptions at the time if you subscribe to an item i think you were getting like 10 percent off this was like in the early days and uh so uh, so i was working at walgreens i worked 4 p.m to 1 a.m uh five days a week damn and my so we closed at midnight at the store i worked at but we were required to stay till 1 a.m. Right. And my classes start at 8 a.m. Damn. So from the moment I clocked out of work to the moment I had to be in class, there were seven, seven hours. hours. yeah. So um, Red Bull was like huge in my life. So I was ordering um, two 24 packs of Red Bull a month uh, subscription. So I was getting 10% off each pack. Yeah. And I noticed after like two or three months, I was like starting to feel like really unwell. And so I started doing some research on like caffeine alternatives, which coffee came up and I was like, yeah, like I like coffee. Like, I've been drinking coffee since I was a kid, since I was three years old. My, my grandma actually, like, she retired and she was a barista at Starbucks when I was like three years old. Oh, wow. So Dang. Like, Full circle. Right. So coming like all these years later, I'm like, you know, I like coffee. I've been drinking it forever, but it was just like always like coffee with cream. Yeah. So I remember like at my job, I remember buying some blueberry flavored Dunkin' donut coffee and like having that and i remember just smelling like amazing like i remember just being like oh my god like this is (laughs) the best (laughs) coffee money can buy
1: (laughs) yeah right right, is
0: blueberry flavored dunkin donuts yeah um sugary as hell yeah and i remember going to the which never go to this reddit r slash coffee like if you go there you're fucked like you're you're gonna be looking down at equipment you're gonna go down a rabbit hole Next thing you know, you're gonna be like a thousand dollars deep in random equipment that you definitely <laughs> don't need. Um, but that's what happened to me. I found out about what what a Chemex was. Which, oh yeah. Again, so we're gonna go full circle here. So Julian Smith, we talked about earlier. Yes. So right when I was looking into this this coffee thing, he had posted a picture of uh, a device in his hand that was designed It was beautifully designed. It had a wood collar with a yarn uh, yep. tape like uh, knot. And it was a glass piece that he was holding that was shattered, but he was just holding part of it. And the caption said, "Well, I'm awake now." And then it said, "#Chemex." Yeah. So I Googled what a Chemex was because I never heard of it. Uh, come to find out, it was a coffee brewer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What the? F- what is this? <laughs> what is a Chemex?" So I, I look up a bunch of videos, and I'm watching this pour over. It was the first pour over, so this would have been 2013. I'd Whoa. never heard of one. Yeah. So oh. I'm like, I'm like i had been saving money for a camera at the time i wanted to buy a canon c100 which retailed for uh five grand so i had like 3500 dollars saved up to buy this camera and i was like saving i was like a couple more months i'll be able to buy one but I, i saw this chemex and they were like 40 bucks at williams sonoma uh at the mall by our apartment so i remember looking at my roommates and being like yo I'm about to go drop bands on this chemex and coffee and filters do you guys want to come with me and i remember joe my roommate saying and i'll remember this forever he said it's your money you spend it how you want hell yeah and we got in my car and we drove to the mall and the guy at the mall was like super helpful like he knew a lot at the time i thought this guy was a fucking genius yeah looking back now he just like definitely had a script he was reading off of but he helped us out a lot we ended up buying some illy beans okay yeah yeah. which we bought those we bought a hand grinder we bought a chemex filters i didn't have a kettle at the time so what i was doing is i was boiling water in the microwave uh no on our stove oh uh, and i would take our uh green soup ladle and i was pouring water with a ladle over the grounds and we were drinking coffee that way for months and then and I don't know why I didn't realize this before. Like I was like 18, 19 years old and I didn't realize that uh, locally owned coffee shops existed. Like I thought, I thought it was just chains. Yeah. So I posted on r slash coffee, like, hey, I live in Detroit, uh, like specifically this area, what coffee shop should I go to? And I got responses back. of just like these, you know, dessert oasis, dessert oasis, dessert oasis. And so off I go to Rochester to go visit the original dessert Oasis location and that was the first specialty experience I had ever had and it's still one of the most important moments of my entire life wow um and I've talked to their owner Nate now that I've been in the industry for so long like you know I'm I'm homies with him now but like that dude changed my life like it, it wasn't anything now if I went there and had the same experience I probably wouldn't bad an eye at it but back then it it was insane yeah. like it it changed the way I think about Service, hospitality, flair, you know, style, overall, just like serving someone something good that can have that impact on their life. Uh, and you can probably scroll back in my Instagram far enough. I think I posted a picture of it and I got like a caramel cappuccino, oh. which, like, now when people order that here, like, I'm, I like giggle oh inside because it's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But like, I was that person at, at one point. Um, and i just i took that idea and that premise and i just i just was like fuck like i have to learn more about this i have to pursue this in some capacity yeah yeah i mean that was like when the
1: doors open where you realize this was a thing and it's funny how it like it stemmed from like you wanting to like drink it to stay awake to then realize like like oh there's like a there's like a craft to this like and that's like kind of goes back to like what we were saying earlier where it's like once you figure out something that you like you kind of just go all in on yeah it's like that's not like everyone you know where it's like if they like coffee and they like Dunkin coffee like they might buy like a like a Mr. Coffee brewer and just like buy some fucking folders or something you know what i mean they're not going to go buy a chemex they're not gonna buy a hand grinder they're not gonna boil water on the stove yeah. just to have a cup of coffee right so and i think and but i think that like plays into like who you are and like what you think about the things that you love you know yeah. it's like you loved coffee it's like how can i go all in on coffee you know what i mean yeah and that's it's cool that like you had that experience with specialty coffee because that's really you know like what changed everything for you, because, yeah, you liked coffee since you were a kid, but it's just like being exposed to specialty coffee that was like the next level that you didn't even know existed until you went to that reddit forum, you know, yeah. where it's just like you were just looking for something and you found it, and I think that's something like um, you know later on that ended up playing into obviously what the, the career path that you ended up choosing. Yeah. Because then you started working at Lantern in 2016. Yep. And obviously, you know, you didn't start being a manager or anything. You were just a regular worker that had come from Starbucks. Yeah. You know, you were a Starbucks guy. Yeah. So it's just like and not obviously like and I say that to say like Starbucks is not a craft coffee place. So right. it's just like you weren't trained in the way that like craft coffee or specialty coffee, rather those locations are trained right, so it's like I guess um yeah, moving into like that kind of conversation of like that uh that first endeavor into specialty coffee and like kind of like how that changed like when you started working in the industry um what how did that change your you know your feeling of coffee and like that's when you really started deep diving obviously like what led you down that path to like um to get into it that far
0: yeah i mean when you get into the specialty world it's so much different from kind of the chain yeah because the speed is still there like you want to be quick and you want to deliver something quickly but the time it takes to make something of quality is forgiven yeah so You have the ability to do, you know, pour over or do latte art or measure things out via grams instead of pumps. And those take longer, but the overall quality you get is so much higher. And people that come to specialty cafes and people that are in the specialty world, they understand and they're more forgiving and they're more lenient and they just take things slower. So you do get to focus on quality. You do, you know, let's say you mess up on a drink. Like you can remake it and you can taste the drinks. Like you, you know, you, you, you become a, uh, a master in a sense that like you are taking ownership of what you're serving. Whereas you're not just like a cog in the machine. You know, you're not, you're not one of nine employees working at a time, which is what it was when I was at Starbucks. Starbucks, You know, I was one of nine people. Um, you know, we were doing six to $7,000 a day. At the cafe I worked at with nine people, yeah, and that's 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 insanity. That's yeah. We were pumping out ninety-nine drinks per thirty minutes. Yeah, Jesus Christ. At Lantern, a, a drink, we're we're lucky to get twenty drinks in thirty minutes. Yeah, you know that's twenty. We're doing twenty percent of the speed. Yeah, the quality is much different. The the actual physical combination of the drinks is much different um and we're doing it with you know less than 20 percent of the staff so for sure but it's like the intention
1: of the specialty coffee location versus the intention of the starbucks location whereas like the starbucks is obviously focused on the dollar yep focused on the time yep so it's just like quick in quick out charge these guys yep but it's just like with specialty coffee they come in knowing that this is going to take a second It's gonna be amazing and it may cost a little bit more per drink because I'm drinking good shit. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like working in specialty coffee. It was probably like, it was probably cool for you to kind of like be able to take a deep breath in the sense of like, i don't have a thousand people screaming at me to like get their their you know triple macchiato with three pumps of caramel in it or whatever the fuck they're asking for right it's just like you're not having to worry about that you're worrying about like just getting a good drink out and like these people like like appreciating your time and you know it's just like that's a totally different environment you know what i mean so i'm sure that 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 really played into
0: like your love for the specialty coffee world yeah I mean it it comes full circle right back to the whole Mr. Blevins thing yeah when you're working at Starbucks you're treated as like a subhuman you're just you're a cog in the machine please hurry up I need my caffeine you're like useless you're a you're whatever you're a child you're a kid whatever like you don't matter and when you're you know you're working at a specialty place it's like oh like you're a human. You're an adult. Like I'm gonna treat you like an adult. I'm gonna treat you like a human. You just you get treated differently. Yeah. Um. And that that trust that those people have on you and whatever like that is so impactful and it it empowers you to deliver a better product.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, man. And it's like like in a place like this too, where it's like it, it like this feels like uh, like that local energy, super like. Hi, you know it's just like that that small business like the local the local coffee shop you know what i mean it's like that's not the feeling that you get at starbucks no it's like you can't go to any starbucks and get that feeling
0: no and i mean the more that i work in coffee i mean this this will be about 10 years nine and a half, ten 10 years i've been in the industry um your local coffee shop nearest to you is more than likely it's the pinnacle of your community yeah. Especially in this side of town, there's tons of cafes and there's different, you know, quadrants, if you want to call them, of, of our city. And so many people say that, like, this shop is the pinnacle. It, it is the pillar of, of this community. Wow. And we get asked all the time, cause, you know, the side of town we're on has a lot of, you know, people experiencing houselessness and stuff like that. So we get asked a lot if, if we ever want to move locations and it would be detrimental to this side of town if we left. Yeah. We, know, we just celebrated ten years this year. If we left, it would be it would be awful for this community. So no, like with this we've been here, we're staying here, we're gonna be here, and this community needs us to be here.
1: Yeah, man. I, I love that. And it's it's uh it means a lot to the community, and I'm sure, that like the owner, you know, like one of the co owners of this facility has no plans to leave no. this area, you yeah. know, and like this is this is our neighborhood you know and i think that's you know something that a worker at starbucks is not going to feel like that so yeah and i love that and you know obviously um you've gone really far into coffee you know to the point where lantern has brought you to connections outside of this country you know Mm -hmm. where you've you've actually gone on tours basically yeah and gone and hung out with the people that are producing you know this coffee in other countries and and i kind of want you to talk about that experience of like um you know learning that side and realizing how much goes into it and like that that you know from the seed and from the fruit you know talk about that experience
0: yeah so a lot of times as baristas um we get blamed for being needy yeah um so uh, you know, wage, wages in the U.S. are down for everybody and it's, it's tough for, uh, the food beverage world because everyone is underpaid no matter what. Um, barista, being a barista is very intense job and a lot of people will like laugh at that, you know, because yeah. we're, we're pouring liquid into a cup, right? Um, but you're on your feet for nine to 10 hours a day. You have to be on, you're smiling, you're mentally, mentally on. Yeah for nine to 10 hours a day. Um That's a lot. You're, you know, some shops out there pay minimum wage, which we definitely do not here, but some shops do. And you're making at some shops less than a dollar an hour on tips. So you're you're not making a lot of money. And the amount of effort you put in is far more than any office job that exists on this planet. And I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. Um, So going to Honduras, I was, I was under this impression that, you know, the industry has broadcasted to me that baristas have it so good and I will never understand what it's like to be a farmer, which I, w- I felt guilty in a way going to a farm because I felt right. like I was not deserving to go to this place to meet these people, um, which I was very quickly uh, proven wrong. The first farm I went to was Finca uh, de la Armadillo in Comeagua, Honduras. Um, The owner is Rodulio Pacheco, which was the 2004 Honduras Cup of Excellence winner. Um, Visiting him, I was the first white person to visit his farm um, in like 25 years. Wow. Um, And the amount of gratitude and how thankful he was that I was there. Um, He was like in tears. Wow. So after, I mean, through some translation, he basically explained like, the industry has gone through this phase where it's difficult to get um buyers to come directly to farms because of a lot of um you know travel restrictions and you know it's easier just to do it through importers kind of thing um, where there's there's at the time there was a lot of difficulties creating relationships um through importers so after talking to him and just i was so thankful to be there you know in his presence but he was I mean literally he was in tears that myself and the other couple of people had been there yeah. um, so it it, re- it kind of refreshed my mind that no no end of the spectrum has it better or worse than the other. We're just in different places that are um, they're different because of causes out of our control. you know he doesn't have as much overhead as I do as a business owner. Um, but I have different amenities that I have access to because of the infrastructure that the United States has. It's not my fault that he doesn't have air conditioning. You know, the Honduras in the mountains, they don't have that infrastructure and that's, I don't need to feel guilty about that, but you know, he doesn't need to feel guilty that I pay X amount in rent every month because property is expensive. So it, it was this understanding moment of, oh, wow, like, we both are in the same supply chain and we both provide different things that are important and there's no sense in one of us feeling you know guilty or proud of the things we do over the other Um, and we need to just like work together and relationships are important and you know we bought 60 kilos from him and we've made some chocolate bars with him and we've made chocolate with a bunch of different uh farmers in that region and I should hopefully be going back within the next month or two, hopefully, to do another harvest with them. And we've got some special coffees on the way that'll hopefully be life-changing.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's cool that you're able to have those experiences and kind of see that firsthand, you know, because it's like you can see the pictures, you can see the videos, but like to be there in the farms, in the nitty-gritty of all this stuff, in the forests, you know what I'm saying? It's like you were, you're almost like, given like a taste of like how they live mm-hmm. and it's, it's cool to kind of like come away from it in a sense of like, like there's give and take, you know, it's like they live this way and like, they don't have the same amenities that us, but at the same time, like they are able to live for a lot cheaper and like they can make this stuff work and like they make a good living for where they live, I yep. guess, yep. you know? And, um, It's cool that like you were able to kind of come into it with like a mindset of like we're a team. And that's kind of what it sounds like where it's just like even though you live your lifestyle, I live my lifestyle, like I'm helping you, you're helping me. This is a collaborative effort. Like you play your part, I play my part. And it's just like it's not like one or the other is better than the other because of like where you live or what you do. It's like we help each other and we make each other better
0: the that that's perfect i mean we went to a bunch of different cacao farms as well um you know i got to pick cacao with you know jaime and his family Um, we went to um rodulio's farm we went to um a few other cacao and coffee farms Um, i got to go to a um co-op which is where they kind of take coffee in they sort it they export it that's kind of the middleman okay a lot of times um that's called Kamsa, and that's in marcala which is like a little north of where i was yeah um but now i mean we've got chocolate coming from all over honduras from wampa Serpe, um uh, single origin farms where it's literally just one family growing cacao on their property um so we have a whole connection down there that now with rodulio the first farm we went to uh his son abraham he's like in his early 30s he's kind of taken over the whole operation um we have a strawberry co-fermented coffee that we'll be doing with them next harvest okay um that was in the works last like january this january so you know almost 10 months ago um and we've been they got a contract down with a strawberry farmer I'll be hopefully going down there to see the whole strawberry fermentation process, um, which is a coffee where they ferment the cherries with strawberries during the the processing, um, wow. and that strawberry flavor comes through. So it's the first time they've ever done one because since we have a little bit of a relationship in this this collaborative effort, um, they I mean he verbatim asked me he's like what do you guys want to do. And that's what you said. And I was like, we we got to do some crazy Fruit shit. We got to fermentation. Yeah, we got to do some some strawberry. I you know, because everything is regional in a lot of Latin America. So I, I you know I was like, what fruits can you get your hands on? Like a lot of yeah, and um, you know they throughout a couple which it's very convenient that i'm allergic to strawberry um but Yours. we'll be we'll be doing a strawberry fermentation either way so yeah you'll be in there with a full mask <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. so we'll be doing that this year which i'm very excited for um and you know there's a few cafes in town that sm- sell his bars as well the cacao with uh or coffee with um abraham's name on it so Nice. You know, I've got his WhatsApp. We we chat. He's the homie. So.
1: Yeah, dude. I yeah. mean it's cool that you're able to like put him on, you know, because I'm sure like in his country, like being able to like be a part of like an American company, like it's to huge. this extent is a big deal. It's very big. Yeah. Cause your money goes a lot further out there than their money does. Yep. So it's 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 like um you're really helping each other out and it's it's really cool that like you can kinda get that value from other countries being in a position of like
0: of like an owner you know what i mean to have that influence on them yeah i mean it's it's really obvious like lantern wouldn't exist without those people that's true we 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 can't exist without those people that's
1: true any specialty coffee place you know because it's like this stuff is not made here it's not well naturally you know what i mean No, i
0: mean it's it's not yeah it's it's not not it's not not made here yeah you you can get in like some parts of Southern California and that's it and that's have crazy. fun paying for them. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because you don't have to pay imports and all that stuff. Labor laws. <laughs> Labor laws. Yeah. Damn. Yep. No, I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. It, it It's cool though that like you're in this position to be like
0: able to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like. I'm that, super thankful. I mean, yeah. that, that trip was maybe seven days and I wrote some stupid ridiculous long Facebook post about it and I don't even remember what I said but I just remember knowing that like it it made me feel confident in what I was doing and it yeah. didn't make me feel ashamed of being on this end of the the supply chain.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, it's like you see it from different levels and it's like you can kind of like from from the seed, you know, and at that point you're being exposed to like from the root you know what I mean and that's literally literally and I think that changes it and it almost like and I it's funny it's like we keep tying back to this but it's like how you like go all in like that's just further deepening how far you go in on what you love and it's just like you want to do that you want to know from the source how does this work Mm -hmm. and it's like and I think coffee's been, like, the biggest, um, I guess, example yeah. of that that part of your personality. Yeah. Whereas it's, just like, going all in 100%. Like, you went in, like, 5,000% with coffee yeah. so far. You know, and you're still, to this day, you know, growing and yeah. building and, like, you know, building Lantern into what it is today. Now you guys are roasting your own beans and yeah. Because they are selling your own stuff and it's just like it's crazy that like you were you were the reason why all this stuff happened and it's like you were part of the the what lantern is today and i think it's like it's so beautiful for you to be able to like turn your passions into like literally your business and now it's just like you own this and it's it's so cool that like this is now like like this is a passion project that turned into a full-on career like long term yeah
0: i still remember in 2017 maybe like mid 2017 we went skating you were home for something yeah we went skating and i picked you up and i had a bunch of coffee i had roasted that morning in my car yeah i still i remember that i remember going to byron and i had like all these ziploc baggies of like 50 gram bags of coffee yeah i don't know why i had them with me but i remember showing you that for the first time yeah and like and
1: i i like uh i mean i i can't specifically remember that time but i can only imagine at the time i was just like damn like this is so different you know like to me it was just like such a different thing and but like already you were like so stoked about it. And like to the yeah. point where you had multiple bags bring with you to the skate park <laughs> because you were so stoked on it. Yeah. And you wanted to share that love of like that art. Yeah. In to with your friends. Yeah. And um I mean that's just like it's so beautiful that like I'm I'm it's cool that you remember that. Cause it's like I don't remember that specific moment, but it's just <laughs> like, but that was like that was early on in your days when you were like you were you were stoked on it. And it's like yeah. you were always like Like, you were stoked on what you were stoked on. And I think that's something that's, like, really important about, like, who you are. Like, you were never really influenced by what everyone else liked. And, like, you know, on that same note, like, it's almost like you were turned off by what everyone else liked. And, you know, that's kind of, like, hipstery. But it's just, like, it's – but you never, like, went into it with, like, I'm too cool. you just, like, eh, that's for you, it's not for me. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's something that was like really important, Um. you know, even outside of like the creative stuff, just yeah. in regular stuff, you were never a partier, you were never one to go out with people just to get fucked up, you know what I mean? Like as a kid, so it's like you always had like that level head and you just did what you'd like to do and you were always super independent. And I think that's something like a lot of kids at the, you know, the age that you were doing those things were that opposite of like the um the yes men the like the wanna be cool they yeah, like yeah. you know what i'm saying and yeah. they ended up burning themselves out to now you know mid-20s and like they don't even know what they want to do in their lives you yeah. know a lot of kids that we went to high school with that i see on social media and stuff that like they don't have it figured out but it's because like they weren't figuring it out in those early days when we were figuring it out, yeah. like what we love to trying do and stuff, trying and stuff and having like,
0: fun. I
1: mean, that's finding your passion.
0: A lot of, a lot of stuff I, I talk about is um, like when people, I, I've heard this from a lot of people. Like there's numerous other people that tell me like, whatever you're into, like you go all in and it's like, I try a lot of things and if I don't enjoy it or I'm not good at it right away, I just, it's not for me. I I can you can feel and I mean a lot of people can feel this too like when you try a new craft or a new task or a new hobby if it's not vibing early on usually it's just it's not it's not your thing and that's okay and and usually I just kick them to the curb early because I'm like I'm not going to invest my time in this unless it's like something I really want to do yeah or if it's in I mean talk like beer brewing like I've been brewing beer a couple years now still pretty new at it not super great but where I'm at now from where I was at a year ago is like exponentially better and like that's enough motivation to keep me like pushing on that
1: yeah man 100% and there's like and it's funny because like there's a there's a point in these notes and it's like I haven't really been looking at the notes because we've been we've been talking through a lot of the things that like are that I know are on the notes that I don't even need to look at them because it's like oh I remember that was on the notes let's just keep going on that take like on that note right um but it's just like that was that was one of the things where it's just kind of like the the 100% all in mentality where it's like this is like a couple di- like a few different things you know where like coffee tea bre- uh uh bourbon uh yeah. craft cocktails yeah. and you know then stemming into like homebrew yeah. and it's just like all these things that like you have extensive knowledge about and it's just like it's funny because it's like like you saw like the early, like, like, uh, um, like, I love this, you know, early on, you saw that, like, I love this, and I'm good. I'm kind of like, you know, good at it. And like, even if you weren't like super good at it, you saw like the, I can get better at this, like, oh, I'm gonna get better this way. Yep. Like, I like this, I'm gonna get better this way. And so it's just like, all those different things that I just named, it's like, you've kind of had your own phases i guess yeah. where it's like you kind of went through these phases and like a lot of those things are still going today like the home brewing, the tea stuff i mean, not as much the tea stuff as yeah, much right. but but it's just
0: like um well even, it, it, i'm yeah i'm lucky enough that they all they all are super similar yeah so that's true. you know i have a great coffee foundation and with within coffee when you're brewing or tasting or examining or producing there is a like like there's a who what when where and why for like everything and so I learned it all for coffee like coffee I just like learned it all as much as I could I read every book all the blogs on the internet talked to every person I could watch all the YouTube videos and then when I turned 21 I got into cocktails and I'm like okay there has to be like a who what and when where why for like cocktails. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you start to learn like each cocktail (laughs) like well why do you shake that one? Why do you stir that one? Why do you use this ingredient? Why can't I use that ingredient? What's the difference? Okay, you learn those things. Okay, I really like whiskey. Oh, I really like bourbon. What is bourbon versus whiskey versus rye versus scotch versus Irish? Like, what makes a difference? Okay, cool. And then I get into tea. Tea, who, what, when, where, why, tea. And then, you know, leads me to homebrewing my own beer for my wedding. (laughs) it's like, there has to be a who, what, when, where, why for brewing beer. And like, come to find out, like, after researching all these topics, like, they're all the same like, like yeah. they're just they all have like very similar things. I have a great foundation of understanding all of these different topics, so it doesn't take me that long to catch on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's um and I guess it's like they're all related in the sense they're all beverages. Yeah. So, um what about beverages that gives you such
0: <sighs> a deep love for them? Dude, this is crazy because I remember in probably 2002, so okay. I would have been maybe seven years old. Yeah, like second grade, second grade. grade, something like that. Second or third grade. Um, my favorite thing to do, so at my dad's house, he lived over in Wyoming and we lived near a speedway, Okay, is we would scrounge together quarters. Each one of us would have like a $1.52 bucks to spend. And we would ride our bikes to the speedway and my siblings would just get like a Gatorade or whatever, right. you know, whatever, or a slushy. And I would be the last one, always, like always. always. I would be standing there at the drink section, just like all the, you know, the doors you can open, just yeah. like- In the coolers. In the coolers, just like, what do I get? Like, I only get one chance at this. Right, you had a dollar fifty. you had right. one drink. Right, I could get one drink. And I just had the toughest time deciding um and a- ever since i was a kid drinks have always been like my favorite part of a meal they've been my favorite like thing of the day if i get a special drink that's my thing like yeah. i mean if like if you know me you know like i don't drink still water like i only drink sparkling waters like yeah all the different brands that contain different minerals like i could talk about waters like i like a, a drink is something that's so simple it could right. be a water it could be a sparkling water. So water with carbon dioxide in it. And like I'm all in, dude. I love that shit. Like yeah. coffee, tea. Like they're all they're all such simple things that are usually 99 percent water. They just have this little bit of flavor that blows my mind and it, it keeps me interested. And it's it's such a simple pleasure. And it's it's a simple pleasure that we're lucky enough in the US to have. You know, like being to other countries, Honduras, whatever. Like they don't have those things a lot of the times readily available like we do, um, and it is su- such a simple thing that I think a lot of us take for granted. And I just yeah. love, you know, partaking.
1: Yeah, it's cool that it stemmed from like a kid because like I guess I um, I didn't think about it like that. You know, like when you were like given money, mm-hmm. you
0: have you have to pick what yeah. you want to spend your money. Yeah. on. Yeah, you never been to like you know the gas station. Your parents say, "Oh, pick a drink out." Exactly. It's like you're not grabbing the first thing you see. You're gonna look a little bit. You wanna you wanna make sure you're getting something that you're really happy with. For sure. And I
1: can totally like see you at the thing. Like the same way like you like uh
0: stand in front like a beer cooler yeah. now and be like, which one do I want? Yeah. There's so many options. There's so many different options and styles and okay. I mean, it's like time of day is it how hot is it outside how cool is it outside you know what am i going to be eating yeah am i am i drinking with friends am i drinking by you know am i sampling some beers by myself is this for tasting is this for drinking because those are different things right and yeah each each one has a time and place dude i love that so much
1: (laughs) it's like you can tell like your uh your love for beverages stems back like so long and it's like it it and it's like, um, with all of your endeavors, they kind of have that like same vein of just like just like beverages <laughs> right
0: i uh what was that what what? You know? <laughs> what just changed it just it like flicked off flick back then, oh, it's dying, is it on a battery right now, yeah, but I think the is drawing more than what it can. Yeah, welcome to a $90 bat- uh, light I bought 10 years ago.
1: Oh, that's going to change the lighting a little bit.
0: Uh, turn the battery power down a okay. little bit. Yeah. I'm going to go pee. Hey, Martians, real quick. I appreciate you taking
1: the time to listen or watch wherever you are in the world. Over the last few months, the Martian family has grown so much. I could not be more thankful for all of my guests and every single one of you who continue to tune in every single week. Subscribers, ratings, likes, and comments all help us grow here on Mars, and it would mean the world. If you haven't already, please go to onmarspod.com slash subscribe to subscribe on YouTube. Like and leave a comment, rate us on Spotify, all this good stuff helps keep the engine running to inspire Martians all over the world. P.S. Follow us on Instagram at onmarspod. Okay, let's get back to it. So the light was kind of flickering out on us a little bit. I don't know if you guys saw that on the video, so we had to kind of do a little cut. Yep. Grab another beer from our sponsors at Founders Brewing <laughs> Company, Grand that, Rapids, Michigan. Yes, definitely sponsored, yes. yes. We did uh, not buy these. We did not this. buy these. Yes. They gave it to us. <laughs> um, but usually I don't drink on the pod. But because we were in Grand Rapids, I had to make a special uh, occasion uh, exception because Founders is a Grand Rapids-based brewing company, and uh, we are Beer City, USA.
0: Yeah. yeah, we were named Beer City again this year. We were? Again. Look at that.
1: Yep. I, uh, If you guys don't know this already, I was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Granville, and um, by the time I moved out, I wasn't 21. So it was just like damn, I wasn't able to experience the beer city to its full potential because I never really lived here yeah. while I was of age. Yeah. So every time I came back after I was of age, I would always drink founders and bells every time. And it's like Rubeus was yeah. like my go-to every time. So, um, yeah, when John was like, cause we were at founders before this, he said, yo, we should get a six pack for the show and I said you know what let's do it <laughs> so we are drinking an all-day IPA shout out our boys this at is actually Founders. the chill
0: day oh so this is the, the the less uh ABV yeah no so this is all the IPA chill so okay. this is a cold IPA so it's um fermented with ale yeast but fermented cold okay and then they um they clear it up in lager that's why it has like a if you look through it, you can kind of see that it's, it's a little like bit more clear. transparent. Yeah, there's yeah. no particulate. Um, right. So it's a little bit of a cleaner, crisper, all the IPA. Amazing. Yeah. Cheers, brother.
1: Yes. Cheers. Man. This is great. I love being able to do this with you, man. I'll be honest, because it's like, like everyone that I've had on the pod so far are people that I've met after I was 20 years old so i was like a, an adult you know what i mean yeah um so to be able to like have someone on that like i've known since i was an actual child yeah is, like, <laughs> is kind of crazy and it's like it's funny because this this will be the longest episode by far and it's okay because it's like we have a lot to talk we about. we have a lot to talk about dude <laughs> and it's like it's so cool though because i was telling you this off air before we were, you know, doing this and getting even to founders, where it's just like we have such a history. Whereas I was able to live through your story, yeah, and this—that's th- what this whole this this whole episode is about your story. So it's like to be able to be on my side and be your friend. It's cool, but like to hear. What you were actually going through during those moments, I feel like is um it's just like it brings everything full circle yeah um and uh no i'm i'm just I'm just super thankful to have this conversation thank you uh, of course man um so we left off on uh beverages yep. and we were talking about you know going to the gas station and and you know being selective of like what you want yeah man. and um you know that kind of like played into like who you ended up being as an adult where it's just like you know beverages just that that's your thing yep um kind of going back to uh because we we briefly talked about like you know you went into um tea homebrew craft cocktails bourbon all these things yep so these are all different beverages so i guess it's kind of like um to talk about like a couple of them in a little bit deeper context i guess that's like the the direction i want to go yeah um so like to start off with like uh coffee um with like latte art and like just like pour over and all these different things that like come with specialty coffee yeah um first thing pour over yeah something we kind of mentioned when you're talking about chemics um obviously you don't use Chemex anymore no um almost never <laughs> right it, it's funny because you like when you first started you're like this is amazing and then you yeah. realize like there's so many better ways to do it yeah yeah, yeah. um but pour over yep, as a
0: whole yep why why pour over uh ease of use it's easy you can make one cup and be done it's, there's no automatic You know, there's, it doesn't take up a ton of counter space. You can tuck it away, you know, in its simplest form, it's, you can make one cup of coffee and be done. Yeah. And it's, in in a sense, it's three minutes, four minutes for your cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and I'll just preface this right at the start. No one brew method is better nor worse than the other. So it's all about ease of use, convenience, and what you have available to you. And brew method pour over pour over AeroPress, immersion air percolation uh, mocha pot espresso automatic drip
1: because to the to the to the layman people to the people that don't know specialty coffee yep or are now hearing about pour overs for the very first time yep there are other ways to brew coffee other than just throwing beans in a mr coffee grind or uh coffee maker yep. and pressing go yep so all these different methods that you mentioned of of brewing coffee they all have their different strengths and weaknesses I guess because it's it's even like it's it's hard to even call them like strengths and weaknesses because to some it might be strengths but to some it might be weaknesses so it's almost like they have like their own like nuances in a way where it's
0: like if you like this this is why you would use this there are, so there are certain things that are, yes, subjective, but there are certain things that are not. Okay. Um, you know, it's, you know, kind of scientifically proven that coffee tastes best between X amount of uh, total dissolved salads. So when you brew a cup of coffee, uh, you know, it's 98.X percent water. Okay. So however much material is left in that cup, um it's scientifically proven that coffee tastes good in a certain range right um whereas yes you can say subjectively you like it at the higher end or the lower end but it is proven that to be in that range it is good um certain brew methods get you into that range easier than others um again like we were talking earlier it's not really about what gear you have it's about how you know how to use it yeah um at home I have everything I have twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment at home, which to some of you guys like might be just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but this is an owner of a coffee shop, guys. It is, it's really you, you good. you have to think about it like that. It's a really cool business expense for me to be able to have all those things. <laughs> um, cool yeah, I have a really nice uh, <laughs> car value worth of coffee equipment at my house. Yeah, for um, sure. And Jesus. and each each one provides uh, a a important role in testing and using um that being said i have brewed coffee on just my plain auto drip machine that you know to some of you might be expensive it was 180 bucks um which it was sent to me as a gift from a company but um For a long time that's all i used i just used that and it has two buttons on it and i would turn it on and i would hit the brew button and call it a day but i was grinding it with a good grinder i was using good water so again it wasn't really like the machine itself it was just i knew what i was doing
1: yeah exactly and that's kind of like with these different brew methods yes there are obvious ways to do it the right way but it's kind of like you have to find like your your techniques within these these things because it's like it's not necessarily going to be exact same every time like the grind uh uh like the um amount of grind i i guess how would you say like the uh the particle size particle size yep so like the particle size fine versus coarse. yep so that changes the flavor The 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 water completely changes the flavor yeah. you know distilled versus mineral versus f- purified versus re- reverse osmosis yeah. versus what's our boys uh third wave water third wave water yeah. shout out to our boys yeah. at third wave water get <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that monster. no uh yeah. um, <laughs> but like that like that that's the water you were using right? yeah
0: yeah at home for the longest time i was using third wave water i backed to on kickstarter and 2015 maybe i was one i was like their 10th kickstarter back amazing i was very early they used to come in these plastic like pill bottles way that way back in the day yeah um and did they send you some as like
1: being like a early backer yeah
0: yeah i backed them because it was so cheap i think it was like five bucks to back them oh and i was like whatever yeah i'll back that yeah and uh yeah it came in this massive bag it was like this big and it had like five like little capsules in it that yeah, each one made a gallon of third water. And I remember, I remember getting it and just being like, Oh, this is bullshit. Like these guys, come on. Like this is the biggest gimmick I've ever paid $5 to be a part of. And, um, so I did a blind taste test. It was like Christmas day. I like woke up to this blind taste test Christmas day, whatever year that was. And, um, I remember just being like, oh fuck, This is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, this is crazy. Like this is what people talk about. Yeah, and um, I reached out to them, and I I, I'm drawing a blank on the owner's name. I think his name is Taylor. Uh, I had a phone call with him a couple years later, and that dude's a fucking genius. Like he's so smart. Like he knows the science and chemistry of it so well. Um, and yeah, those dudes went on kick or uh those dudes went on Shark Tank, and they got oh really yeah they got a back from uh Barbara. Oh wow! Yeah, and they're crushing it. They're they're a huge part of the industry. Like, yeah, they're incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you put me on
0: to Third Wave Water. Yeah, yeah dude, I've put so many people on to Third Wave Water. Yes, I might man. as well start making commission.
1: <laughs> dude, <laughs> sponsor this man, Third Wave. Damn. Um, but it's just like that's like that's what plays into like using these apparatuses, I guess you could call them. Yeah. Um, like these different brew methods that is a big part of it you know Mm -hmm. like the water you're using the grind particle size so it's just like it's not it's not the gear it's the mouth oh pause um i'm just saying it's like it's like that where it's like it's 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 not like the uh, the stuff that you have it's how you use it
0: yeah and so when i was first getting into coffee and i think a lot of new coffee people tend to do this is they see different drippers so you have something like you have the Kalita, which is a flat bottom. You have the V60, which is a cone. And then those are like, kind of the two mainstays. Yeah. You should have, you know, one of each. But then outside of those, you have the flower dripper, which is a, which is a cone. So it looks just like the V60, but a little different. And then on, on the flat bottom side, you have the Stag Junior, or sorry, not Stag Junior. You have the, the Stag Brewer. Stag Junior is a whiskey. Uh, you have the Stag, the yeah. Stag Brewer, which, which is very similar, but um, a little different. And then you know it kind of gets wider and wider you've got the origami you've got the oreo you've got the april you've got the the torch mountain you've got all these drippers that do the same function these are a pour over yes they're all considered a pour over but they take different filters or different sized filters or their openings on the bottom are slightly different so their uh their drainage is different or flow flow is different yep um so again Not one of these is better nor worse than the others, but it's do you know how to use it in a way that will maximize its efficiency? Yeah, for sure. And it's like you have to try
1: these different methods to be able to find what works best for you. Yeah, and
0: also the coffee you're brewing. Right. So I, you know, at home I've got. 15 20 different drippers here at the shop we have a basket we keep under the counter that has 10 or 15 different ones and yeah we use them just for playing around and training and it, it's good to like train my staff on you know here's why this dripper is better you know, or worse. better or worse for us and here's why yeah you know because there has to be a why you know, yeah. why is this dripper better right because of this you yeah know, whatever it may be um so we just like to experiment with different coffees and different drippers and different filters and whatever it may be um
1: yeah and i guess um that's like a leads me to a question of like four lanterns specifically um for anyone that's into this kind of information what is the normal uh drippers and pour over type of setups that you guys are using it looks like some v60s up
0: there (laughs) close so (laughs) a couple years ago i was in talks with a couple different companies on buying filters wholesale Okay. So at the time, so we were using the Kalita 185 uh, stainless steel drippers and I- Flat bottom. Flat bottom. I kept running into issues where their filters would be sold out. Okay. And I would have to drive around to local cafes here and buy up packs of their filters. Oof. So I came to this realization. I was like- this like can't do that i can't be doing this i gotta find i need to i need to find someone i can buy filters wholesale from yeah that has a minimum order quantity that isn't you know like a hundred thousand <laughs> so, Jesus, what is this alibaba what <laughs> the whoa okay so hold that thought <laughs> so i uh i at the time um uh an acquaintance of mine uh lance hedrick who's the uh wholesale director for onyx he had just competed in, you know, the World Brewers' Cup champion with a dripper called the Flower Dripper. And it was shaped kind of like a V60. And um, he ended up, I, I think he, maybe he won. I don't know if he won, but he placed really high. And I, I respect him a lot. He's an awesome content creator as well. He's on YouTube. He makes incredible coffee videos. But, um, you know, he had been using the Flower Dripper. And I'm like, okay, if this dude uses it, like they're, you know, whatever. Must be something. It's gotta, it's gotta to be good, something it. Yeah. to it. So yeah. I buy I, one I online and I get, it in and I'm using V60 filters on it. I'm like, yeah, this is fine. It's a dripper. It does what all the other of them do. Right. And so I reach out to the the company that makes the flower dripper. And it's a company called cafec And they have a representative in LA. And so she reaches out to me and she's like, yeah, like what are you looking to buy? You know, here's our wholesale list. And I see they have a you can buy filters wholesale. So at the time I, I order one pack of every filter because I want to try them all out. And I'm like, which one allows me to grind the finest? with the fastest drainage because that means I'm getting the most you know extraction and efficiency out of my out of my coffee. Right. So it it leads me down I do this big like spreadsheet and I I'm like logging all this data and it leads me <laughs> to this <laughs> God, ca- uh, the damn. the cafec uh the hemp ones are are the f- best ones for us and like the roast level we were doing at the time and Yeah. So I end up buying um Three cases of filters, which a case of filters is a pack of a hundred times a hundred. So it's like a thousand. I was three thousand? Uh so there's a hundred no ten thousand filters per case. So I bought thirty thousand filters. So so to put this in perspective, we do maybe ten pours a day. So that was like three years ago. <laughs> That's so, like fucking a lot of years where the pour overs, brother. Yeah, so I still have like almost two cases left, <laughs>
1: like twenty thousand fucking filters uh, left. So to put that in context, these, so these
0: are hemp filters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, they're yeah. biodegradable, compostable. Like they're great filters, and this all comes full for circle for the flower dripper. For the flower dripper, which they can also be V sixty, they can be origami, they can be right. any cone shape, the Kono. Right. Um, they're adaptable to like a bunch of different brewers. Okay. Um. But years later, this awesome, awesome person in our industry, Jonathan Gagne, he is an astrophysicist. That during COVID, he got extremely bored and conducted hundreds of uh, physics-based tests on coffee. Okay, and he wrote a book called the the Physics of Filter Coffee. And in that book, he tests he he like physics tests coffee filters. Uh, and he tests how early they get clogged up, and what their like clog capacity is, Jeez. and then he did like kind of like a TLDR: what's the best filter? And he rated the hemp ones that I ended up choosing as the best one. So I this book came out way Double later, down. but like reading that, I was like, oh god, thank god <laughs> I got it. I did it right. <laughs> but but it's so like
1: looking at this two thousand
0: box. Yeah, yeah, I spent like thousands of dollars. And then two years later, it was like reassured as like a good purchase.
1: <laughs> well, you still have like one or two thirds of like yeah. what you bought like, two years yeah. ago.
0: So, yeah. So I, it was reassured as like a good purchase. Thank God. Um, but um, yeah, like looking back, like it, it's all, you know, flavor based. You know, you you do these little tests here and there with certain ones and
2: hmm god
0: um it's laid out here guys sorry you you kind of get like you can feel different flavors you can you can get these like subtleties that sometimes new people will get but they can't really explain they're like i like this one better but i don't know why you know you have like those certain things but like these filters just like crushed it for us so
1: yeah it's cool that you were able to like to that level you know like dial it in yeah and it's just like that's the level of dedication where it's just like i want to get things down to, like, the basic, like, molecular level. Just, like, how far can we really
0: dial this in? I guess that's what it is. I mean, shout out Jonathan Gagne. Like, anything, any article he does, any, you know, official test he does is fucking insane. Yeah, That book is, it's gold. I mean, you flip through it and half of it is just beyond me. Like, I don't even get it. I have to read like the summary of each test because I see graphs of data and it makes no sense to me. (laughs) And I've been doing this for so long, but since he has an astrophysics background,
1: that's what he
0: understands. He understands things on a different level that no one in our industry gets. Yeah. So, I mean, he's doing these like seminars and panels at events that have like these big crowds and you just, you see him talking and he talks about these like properties and ideas and you'll just see like the crowd and they're just like like they just have like no idea what he's talking about because again he just he has a uh just a different understanding of uh of the process yeah Yeah. for sure
1: man i mean that's like a someone that really deep dot like deep dove into it you know what i mean it's like to another level where it's like surpasses people's like general understanding where it's like they have to like have like a certain level of
0: understanding to even know what he's talking about, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess, like, you have to be in this industry for a long time even yeah. get get an the idea reason, of what he's talking yeah, about. Exactly, and then, and then yeah, to understand it on like a science level, you got to be a scientist. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, just like whoosh, goes uh-huh. over like the Starbucks baristas' heads
1: completely. Right dude. over, right over my head. Yeah, not even lie, <laughs> hey, dude. But it's like now you can like understand why. And you can understand, like, w- like, what he was doing, why he was doing it, and, like, how he was doing that stuff. And it's, like, that's kind of what you were saying before. Where it's, like, who, what, where we're at. You know what I mean? It's, like, all the questions.
0: There's so, yeah. 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 He Yeah, that's, there's a who, what, when, where, and why for everything. And, yeah. And science is a lot of extraction in the theory of how we extract those compounds. There is a reason for all of that. Yeah. And there's a lot of theories out there and there's a lot of ideas out there, but it takes someone like him to sit down. It was during COVID. So no one was doing anything. He did all these experiments, were like in his apartment during COVID. Ah. And he's just, he tracked all this data and he's got it all graphed and in a spreadsheet or whatever it may be. And he covers everything. Yeah. Everything you can think of. And he shares it with the world. And he wrote a book on it and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, so. dude. I love that.
1: Where it's just like, and I'm sure even with him, there was like a, a time where he's just like, like, well, people care. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's just like, then he got to probably a point where he's just like, you know what? I care. Yeah.
0: So I know if I care, other people will. Yeah. Well, because I, I remember reading one blog um, individually that uh, meant an important amount to me. And it was, um, so for each dripper type, what material um, had the best um, rapid heat retention? Okay. So like you've got ceramic, you've got stainless steel, you've got plastic, you've got dual walled stainless steel, you've got whatever it may be. Um, So like that was a big choice when we switched to the flower drippers from the stainless steel. Metal will absorb more heat. It will take more heat away from your water. Yeah. So when you're doing, you know, you're brewing coffee, yeah. you want to maintain a steady temperature. Yeah. So if you have a material that takes a lot of temperature away, you don't necessarily want to use that. So yeah. in the early days, people were like, oh, you use ceramic because ceramic holds the most heat, which is true. Ceramic holds a shit ton of heat. But if it's cold, if it's room temp, and you pour water on it, it takes a lot of heat to warm it up right that wasn't really thought about back in the day so back in the day everyone was using ceramic when that kind of discovery came out of like oh ceramic takes a lot of heat away everyone switched to plastic because plastic takes a little bit of heat to heat up and it retains its heat just enough that as long as you keep adding heat to it it will keep retaining its heat but that wasn't something that was thought about till like the past couple of years wow so it's like that holy thought shit. that's like holy shit like that makes total sense. Why did not no one think about that before? This is so simple. Dual wall, same idea. Dual but, wall retains heat insane. Yeah. But it takes a lot of heat to get it to that point. Yeah. So there's one brewer, it's the Stag, the okay. made by fellow that for a lot of times people said, oh, it's the best brewer in the market, blah, blah, blah. But he did the heat retention test where he logged all the heat data. And the Stag is the outlier because it goes cold immediately, but it holds heat the best but it takes the most amount of heat out of your brew. So you have to preheat it with, you know, like half a gallon of water to get it up to right. 10. And it's like, who's doing that? Yeah, it's a waste. Yeah. Dude,
1: holy shit. That's, it's crazy because I remember there was a time when, because um, you got me into, into brewing. And yeah. you got me into, into pour overs when I moved back here for a second. Yeah. um And, um, you know what you know, it was before that it was before that it was in uh it was it was in it was in two thousand nineteen or two thousand twenty I remember um, we were having conversations uh when I had come back here to visit one time and it was it was probably around that time when you know when we went to um to byron um you know when you were telling me that you had like those like roasted bags and like like when you started telling me about craft coffee it started becoming a thing in my head yeah but then it wasn't until probably like 2019 or 2020 that i actually like started like let me let me try to to dabble in this yeah. because you were you were in it by that point you were like deep in deep it in. so it was just like when i would hang out with you it was like the amount of knowledge that i was getting from you was like immense right so it really like turned me on and um i remember i was doing it um and you know now that i think about it I wasn't doing um, pour over. I was doing French press. Yes. And that's the first, that was my first endeavor into like, other than like regular Mr. Coffee style brewing. Yeah. Because I started using the French press. And then I asked you about that, you know, like how should I use a French press Um, and kind of like whatever. And then that's when the conversation started about the other stuff later on. Um, whereas it's like I didn't get into pour over until probably this past year and a half, two years. Yeah, I remember when you bought the V60 your first setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. I was so excited because I was like, John, I did it. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but like, I, I, um, at one point I asked or I, I told you, I was like, yeah, I got this. Now all I got to do is get the uh, the ceramic um V60 thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, you know what? I actually prefer the plastic one, yeah. which at the time I was like weird because obviously ceramic is more expensive. Plastic is cheaper. Yeah, And so I was like, why would you like the cheaper one? Yeah. But like when you say it like that, like I guess at the time it wasn't broken down like that because yeah. it was more so like surface level like – I just prefer this over that. Like yep. you didn't say why necessarily. Right. But like when you break it down like that, that that totally changes why you would use one or the other because the temperature is one of the most important factors when it comes to consistency in coffee.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things that like you you hear it for the first time and you're like, Oh, yeah. Duh. Like, duh. Right. That makes total sense. Exactly. But I just didn't think about it like
1: that. And that's all it was. Where it's yeah. like, I thought about it like, oh, heavy, um, you know, like, just just more like, um, just because it's more expensive, it's more quality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's yeah. not necessarily the case nah. in this circumstance. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing for all things of coffee. I mean, just like drip, filter coffee. Again, back to the premise of the whole conversation is like it's not it's not what equipment you have it's how do you know how to use it yeah you don't need a 200 hundred dollar gooseneck kettle to make good coffee <laughs> like yeah like you can make great coffee i mean like your grinder definitely like matters yeah in a sense you don't need a three thousand dollar grinder but a 200 hundred dollar grinder is sufficient enough worth it you know a ten dollar dripper you can brew right into your mug you know if you've got a little gooseneck kettle that you heat up the water on your stove that costs you 15 bucks whatever those can be used to achieve great results yes there are tools that make it easier on you there are tools that allow you to experiment with different things i have one of everything um <laughs> but you don't need those things yeah
1: absolutely and um i remember one time you were uh you were telling me like um and this was so wild to me because it was like it was almost like like, uh, where I, like, I was like, really? Because um, you said one time, like, you can make really good coffee with a Mr. Coffee-style brewer. It's just all about the ratio. Yeah. And it's, like, about your grind size. Yep. And it's about your water type. Yep. And it's, like, if you use that type of brewer, you can still achieve great
0: results. Yeah. You just have to you know make sure the other variables are in check yeah there's there's people have done kind of some tests on you know like the mr coffee is a great example um it has very bad like water distribution yeah and its water temperature is like a little low so it doesn't extract as well as it should um so like there's people that just say like you you brew and after like 10 seconds of brewing you open up the like brewer part and you just like stir the grounds because agitation will help extract more. Yeah. So you're just like you're just like cheating a little bit there. Yeah. And that's like like again, if if you know that you you know how to like achieve good results, you use good water, good coffee, good grind. You know, you're lacking on temperature and agitation, but you can do that by hand, right. and like you're just getting those same results. Um, that's why for a while, I mean, the the Oxo dripper I use, shout out Oxo, like they've been a great uh, brand. I've worked with many many times. They've sent me like all, literally every single coffee product they've ever put out, I have tried. Um, and their newest like single cup brewer that I've been using for three or four years is insane. Yeah. Like you measure out good coffee, good water, right ratio, it has two buttons, boom, boom. You have cafe quality coffee now. Yeah. And it's just because you know how to use it. You know how to, yeah. You yeah. You got to learn how to use it. Got a little research, a little measuring. You know, if you got a question, just DM me. Like, I get DMs from people all the time. I have no issue helping people get a good coffee at home. It's it's really not that hard. I started a whole separate club. Yes, uh, that's all a part of that. Like, that's shout out GR Coffee Club. Grand Rapids Coffee Club. Grand like, Rapids Coffee Club. Uh, it is. That's our whole mission is to help people brew good coffee at home. Uh, we meet here once a month. Um, it's been a very rewarding club. Um, we get people from all experience levels. Um, knowledge levels industries like people that work in coffee don't work in coffee just want to make a coffee at home like just they just reach out I'll, I'll gladly help you
1: yes yeah this is the real john coffee <laughs>
0: <laughs> at the real dot john
1: coffee. at the real john coffee um handle right here um dude it, it's so cool that like you are like a like an expert it's it's kind of weird to like say that now but like you're a straight up expert in the field and it's just like you're uh you're still so young kind of you know what i mean you're Mm -hmm. like less than 30 yeah which i consider very young um and i think that's like that says a lot about like the potential and the amount that you still have to grow in the field and the industry um to be you know an owner of a coffee shop that is successful and like To be not only, like, to be a part of, like, the successful coffee shop, but at the same time be, like, a reason why it's so successful. And I think that's, like, that's the reason why you're a co-owner. You know what I mean? Like, you would not be in this position unless you had that within you to, like, want to build this up want to innovate to you know break new ground with this company and like the owners would not give you that opportunity even though it took a long time for that to really take take hold and like really come to fruition you know years of you working here yeah um they knew that you were the guy to like take this to the next level
0: yeah i um so i started here in 2016 i left like mid 2018 to go work a corporate job um that ended up not being for me and then i helped open a different cafe in uh, early 2019 and then i got a call from my now business partner in late summer 2019, and it it basically went like, hey, we want you to come back and run the shop and there'll be opportunity for equity for you down the road, um, which we can discuss if you wanna, if you're open to it. Wow. Um, So that was was October 4th, which is next Saturday, is my five-year anniversary of coming back to run this place, right, 2019? four yeah four four year anniversary five year whatever um it's an anniversary of me coming back here four years uh to run this place um which right away we we have been talking about equity right away kind of in that october november december um which fast forward to march 2020 um we closed for three months um so in 2020 we lost we were in the hole a lot of money um, which took about until winter time 2021 to actually be positive Um, which was a great time for me to flex my muscles to figure out like can I really do this Um, because my now business partner he had kind of taken a backseat role and he just said look I know you can do it If, if you got any questions call me yeah. Um so I was I was given the keys to the city basically and he said just go for it figure out what you can do. Um I was given a budget for certain things that I wanted to do and um here we are almost 2024 and I mean profits profit margins themselves are great. Um you know we make our own oat milk which is a huge project of mine. It's been one year since we've been making our own oat milk, um, which to most people sounds like such a simple thing, but that has been an on and off project of mine for like literally six years. Um, and I, as far as I'm concerned, we're the only small batch oat milk company in the world. Um, so that's been a huge project. We launched roasting this year. We'll be opening our roastery in January. Um, which will probably be shortly followed by an online shop. Huge. Um, We've done merch this year, which is something we hadn't done in about 10 years. Um, Stuff like that, I mean, it's, I, I was just given the opportunity to do things, something I'd always wanted to do, and I was in a position to do them, and I found people around me that can help me execute them, whether it's designing art for merch or, you know, getting connected with people to do xyz importing or roasting or packaging or labeling or whatever it may be um i've gotten to do things i never really thought i would be doing at this point
1: yeah i mean and you were given that like the reins in in that sense where it's just like this guy at a time where it almost seemed like hey this shit's going down the tubes (laughs) like do whatever you know what I mean? Where it almost felt like, hey, you can't do worse than what we're doing now. So fucking have at it. You know what I mean? And you took that opportunity with like a lot of like pride and yeah. you, 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 you didn't take it lightly. And that's something where it's like you took that opportunity and started utilizing your skills as a person and as like a friend of people who are connected in certain things and just like Cause you're really good at connecting with people. You're really, you're, you're easy to get along with. You're a people person. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's why your networking ability is, is very, is, is very strong. Um, So it's just like taking, taking that skill that you already had and then incorporating like the business that you're now a part of directly. It's just like, that's, I feel like that's almost like a best case scenario where it's just like how far can I take this and you just really started going in where it's just like well let me plug this to this let me plug and it was like everything came back to lantern like all your personal connections and like all the people that you like already knew or like like went out to meet because of this it was just like. Than utilizing your skills to be able to like connect with them on a different level to bring lantern to another level that's like yeah. yeah
0: that shows a lot yeah the whole like me trying very hard at xyz thing the first person that ever said that to me was a old coworker. um and when i took this place over when i started managing it i remember having like drinks with him and he told me you know if there's any person that can save lantern it's going to be you Wow. And it's going to take a lot of effort, but I think you can do it. And that was right after I started here in October of 2019. Wow. And so fast forward to when we reopened in July of 2020. So we closed for April, May, and June, um, which was a great three month vacation after I had been working three jobs um, 2017, 18, and 19. So 2020, I lost all income altogether. Um so I got 3 months of just doing nothing and it was exactly what I needed to like reset, you know. So come back to July and I remember just posting up with my laptop upstairs like watching skate videos because we would see 10 to 20 customers a day. Wow. wow. So right now we're doing like 190 transactions a day. Yeah, it's like so 10% of what you guys are doing now or less, yeah. Or less. So my my thought back then because we had no indoor seating was how do i get these people to come back tomorrow right and it was it was the only thing is how do i make them feel special Hmm. and it's it's how do i treat them like i can't give them things i wasn't i can't give away product you know we're already losing money i was working part-time and i took a huge like a massive salary cut i went back to like our hourly base pay which is way less than what we pay now and so i i was just trying to keep the business alive and like how do i how do i keep these people to come back tomorrow and so every person i'd be like what's your name oh cool great like oh wh- what are you doing today or where do you work or do you have kids do you what is sports are you into you know i know i know just about enough about every sport to carry on a conversation with someone purely because if they're wearing a jersey or they're wearing a hat of a certain sports team, I wanna know what those are so I can talk to them about it because they're gonna feel important, they're gonna feel special, they're gonna come back. And that's how you foster community, that's how you become friends. I mean, some some of my best friends I have around me right now are people that I've met as customers here that started out as how do I get them to come back tomorrow? And now I'm like eating dinner at their house on a Friday night for like gatherings and stuff like that. You're just like a good person. I I like to think of of it as just community. Like you you think about maybe a hundred years ago, you know, before chains were a thing. Yeah. Right. You just had small businesses. There only was small businesses. So it's like, if your friend owns a, I don't know, if your friends owned a a tire shop for cars, like you're going to go to your friend's tire shop no matter what, because there's no chains. There's no extra convenience that someone offers. There's no extra deals that someone offers because they're a, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation like that didn't exist back then right so I, d- I don't necessarily feel guilty about like treating a friend special for them to come back it's like that's community they're going to support me because i'm their friend and i'm going to treat them like a friend which you treat friends special yeah so when you walk through our doors like we're gonna you know we're gonna treat you as an individual we're gonna recognize you you're gonna you're gonna feel a little different than w- what you would feel if you went to a chain or a different cafe
1: yeah absolutely and that that is how you create like long-term uh clients yeah. and it's like i mean i guess i say like clients but like customers in your sense yeah. you know it's just like long-term customers that are regulars you know it's like they're regulars at a coffee shop you know it's like that's like it's your community it's like i feel like even with like a coffee shop like yes people come in for coffee um, on a regular basis but it's just like a lot of times it's just like let me just get my coffee you know like let me just get my coffee and then go and but like again, here it's
0: probably a lot different no i mean we get those people in every situation you can adapt to yeah if you know this dude comes in every time and he's like just give me my coffee oh you see him walking up grab it ahead of time yeah that makes him feel special
1: yeah Wow. Every situation,
0: you can adapt to any situation.
1: Right. So you can still make these people feel special. You don't have to necessarily take up so much of their time if that's not what they want. Right. But if they need that, give it to them. Yep. I'm, I'm, thank you for doing this, dude. This is great. (laughs) And if anyone's still listening to this, I love you. So, uh, latte art, just real quick. Just, just, like, I just want to talk about it Mm -hmm. because latte art is sick. Dude, latte art is beautiful. Yep. There's a lot of competitions around the 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 world. Yep. Um did you start latte art like right when you started
0: here? Uh, no. Okay. I was I would bring I bought like a steaming pitcher online when I worked at Starbucks. And I would bring one there. Cause they're to practice? Yeah. Cause so they're like steam ones are different there. And they actually use these like, they're like a 40 ounce pitcher. There's like massive things, dude. They're insane, which they're fun to pour out of like as a latte, like as a coffee professional now, like the latte art pitchers or the steaming pitchers that Starbucks uses are fun to pour from because they're massive and you can do like intricate things with them if you know what you're doing. But when you work there, they don't, you don't learn shit. You don't know what you're doing. Um, but I used to bring, like, I used to bring a pitcher there and practice and I, I never really did anything until i started here then like when i started here i used to have like my coworkers steam for me and then like i would practice pouring at the end of my shift okay on like my sh- my drink i would take home and i have pictures like i have pictures from 2016 of like Up my here, water right latte yeah, yeah it's so bad um but it's funny because you can see like you can see when i like start to get it like you see like from like one shift to another shift, the quality is just like boom, like it just explodes. Cause like you just, it just like clicks in your brain. Damn. Um, and like, I'm not like, I've won some throwdowns, which throwdowns are cool. And like, they're a fun way for like community to get together and have fun, but they're not like a, a good example of your skill. Um, the real ones are like the, you know, the real competitions in like Chicago and New York that people like, you know, apply for like months in advance. And those are like the, kind of the real deal ones. Um so I'm I'm fine at Latiar. I'm not good, I'm not bad, but I'm fine. So talking about throwdowns and competitions, um
1: how many throwdowns have you won?
0: I've won four or five, maybe. Okay.
1: Yeah. And the throwdown is basically like a competition within a local community. Yeah. So it's a little bit limited because it's obviously only judged based off of the people that apply within your region. Yeah. But at the same time, there are competitions like John was saying, New York, L- uh, Chicago, whatever these places are, these hub cities, I guess yeah. is the best way
0: to put it. So it's it's not really the cities. I was using them more of an example. They'll do um, like a coffee fest every year, okay. which is in a different city every year okay. at the SCA Expo, which is in a different city every year but usually they're in massive cities. Um, but at those events, they'll do like one latte art throwdown that's official. You know, it's like a 64-person bracket. You know, Ooh. it's an eight-hour thing. Good luck. But like the throwdowns we do are like, it's it's called TNTs. It's Thursday night throwdowns. And it's, it's a two-hour thing. It's 16 people. It's quick. Buy-in's five bucks. Winner takes all. It's, you know, it's just like a fun way to get together, pour some latte art you know poor dicks and shit like that (laughs) which i've seen before um but yeah i've won Mm. there was like one in kalamazoo i won i've won a couple up here um i go into them purely like expecting to lose yeah and honestly the ones that i usually expect to lose are the ones that i win and then the ones where i like see the competition i'm like god it's just gonna be easy i usually lose pretty early (laughs) that's just how it goes
1: yeah it's That's funny. You like judge a book by its cover. It's like these guys look like
0: squares, and it's funny because like I'll I'll be you know I'll I'll pour against someone that works at like a notorious cafe in the first round, and I'll beat them, and then they'll leave. Like to leave the the competition because they're like, oh, I don't wanna you know I wanna be yeah, here. Yeah, I don't wanna be here. And I'm like, oh what shitty, you know, what a shitty sport, like just leaving right away. Then you do the same. And then the next like competition I go to, I'll lose in the first round. I'm like, yeah, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing. This shit. was fun. Yeah. Good luck,
1: guys. <laughs> yeah. I don't wanna see you just guys. Like leave win. right away.
0: I'm like, nah. Yeah, dude.
1: It's like, nah, it's all good. I lost. I don't wanna see you guys win. Um man, um just a couple more things before we wrap up here. Yeah. Um, specialty chocolate it's something that I think is next up, yeah, I don't want to say next up because it's it's already a thing it's a thing, but I think the same way specialty coffee. And specialty cocktails and specialty bourbon and specialty cannabis and all these small batch things yeah. have had their heyday. Mm-hmm. Chocolate's next. Chocolate. And,
0: yeah. Chocolate won't be to the same level that the other ones are because of um, cost. So, in. It's not a cultural norm yet. Okay. So in coffee, how many offices around the world have free coffee in their office? Yeah, all of them. All of them. So in order to compete with that, coffee shops have to keep their prices low. Right. Let's say no office in the world got free coffee anymore. We would be able to jack up our prices like right. crazy. So you've got that. You've got alcohol, where you have low-priced stuff and high-priced stuff. Chocolate, no one is buying low price craft chocolate. So you've got bars in like the 99 cent range, the Hershey's, yeah. and then you've got specialty bars that are like in the $250 range. And then you've got like $10. $10. Yeah, Ten, $10 chocolate bars. The people that are buying specialty chocolate are buying the $10 bars. They're not buying the $2 bars. Yeah. The people that are buying cheap chocolate are not buying the $2 bars either. They're buying the 99 cent bars. Right. So I think specialty chocolate will have its heyday i think it will come I, it's on the up and coming and it's an amazing industry but i don't think we'll see it in the same way that we see cannabis bourbon cocktails coffee you name it yeah um because a ten dollar bar is like 10 minutes of experience you yeah. know what i mean unless you take like one nibble and then put it in the freezer or whatever um yeah. but yeah the
1: experience isn't there yet yeah. Yeah, that ma- I mean that makes sense because it's just like like you said like the cost of making it is like expensive yep. so you have to charge the $10 to make it make sense for yep. the company. Right. So until you can make a craft chocolate bar for $2
0: yeah, which is gonna be hard to yeah. like m- meet those margins. And the ones that you're getting at that mar or at that price are usually lower quality, sometimes inhumane labor practice. Yeah, cacao. Where it's like you shouldn't be supporting those guys. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, and so I guess yeah, that was uh, and I, I yeah, and I, I guess you answered the the question right there of let's like the future of of craft chocolate you know where it's just like because i think there is some sort of a future but it's just like it's going to be limited based off of like the uh the people that are buying it and it's just like yeah Yeah. so consumers
0: hold a pretty big power in that in that sense
1: yeah for sure um yeah and i guess um with the with the with the the chocolate um I, the reason why i wanted to bring it up is cuz you have a direct connection cuz you that's that's you know you were you were seeing these farmers out in these these different countries and yep. you, you know you were uh you were able to even infuse some cacao into like your own home brews yeah and um yeah so that it's just, it's it's cool that you're so connected in that industry um so you're able to kind of have a really good pulse on like where it's going yeah yeah Um, so the uh, I don't want to wrap this up but I have to Um, (laughs) this is this is crazy Uh, this is like the first time that I've ever like really not wanted to end an interview but like I know like we have to we can just continue off air yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'll be like four in the morning before we fucking stop talking Um, so the last thing I guess um, to wrap up here. Uh, with lantern yep you guys have done a lot in the last few years um i just want to know what can um people that don't know about lantern and people that do know about lantern what can they expect what's moving forward what you guys got going on and um yeah
0: what's what's the next moves for lantern i mean we want to keep pushing the limits of coffee we have um just some coffees on the horizon that are going to like just push the limits um we have our own roastery hopefully opening january okay january february um we'll be finally wholesaling out all of our syrups chai and oat milk so you'll hopefully be able to buy those things for your home or if you work in a cafe own a cafe that um along with an online store that will be able to like ship stuff all around the country maybe the world i don't know um and that will include like our chocolate bars and stuff like that too um a lot more origin visits so going down to origin mostly honduras um i just made a connection this week down in guatemala that will hopefully be visiting them um but i'm hoping to do colombia and then either el salvador or ecuador one or the other yeah um are both high on my list of places to go um and just working with people that want to push the limit and do experimental stuff um, you know you get these intrusive thoughts of like what if i did this um, and i want to work with more people that have those thoughts yeah yeah for sure man i love that and it's like when you say you want to work with more
1: people like outside of the country yeah yeah where they're trying to push the limits
0: just the same way that you guys are yeah i mean just like i said earlier like this business can't exist without those people and those producers and um having that collaborative effort of like let's just do shit together like, yeah let's just do experimental stuff or let's take care of each other, you know, something you're passionate about, something I'm passionate about. Let's make it happen and put your name on it, put my name on it and have it in Grand Rapids, have it in, you know, Kalamazoo, whatever, wherever yeah. it may be. Like let's just make stuff happen. I love it, dude.
1: I mean, it's like the uh like the uh um that classic f- phrase of like um the rising tide like lifts all boats in a way where yeah. it's like, we're going to, we're going to ride this wave together. and yeah. Like, let's, let's jump on this at right. the same time. Yep. <sighs> Amazing, dude. This has been such <laughs> a good interview, dude. I, I mean, this hasn't even like, I mean, it's been an interview, but it's just been like conversation. Yeah. And it's like, it's cool because like, I haven't seen you in over a year. So it's like to be able to like have this conversation on camera is yeah. so cool, dude. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. For doing this, dude. Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. Of course. Um, so let's tell the people where they can follow Lantern. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 at, at Lantern Coffee Bar. At, Lan-
0: at Lantern Coffee Bar.
1: At Lantern Coffee Bar on Instagram. Yep. And uh, follow John at the real John Coffee. Is there a dot in there? At, uh, the, at real the real dot.
0: John Coffee. There you go. Or, at the real dot John Coffee.
1: At the real dot John Coffee. J O N. J O N. And I'll put the handle right here. Um, follow this dude, follow Lantern Coffee Bar. Yeah. Do you guys have a website for Lantern right now? Uh,
0: don't go to our website. Okay, cool. Don't yeah. go to the website. We have website. Until they got until, a web store going up. Until, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Don't go to our website. It's pretty old and like the pricing is outdated. The menu's outdated. Our hours are wrong. Like just don't go there. Don't go to the site. Or just go there. I don't care. Go to the site. Go. To- <laughs> don't go to the
1: site. Go to the socials. Follow John. He posts a lot of his work. Um, You know, hit him up if you ever have any questions about coffee, tea, brew, cocktails, video, anything. Um, Just obviously this dude is a very passionate individual. You can see this if you've watched this this long. Um, (laughs) Two and a half hours. Um, This has just been so good, dude. I like... Man, I, I I, just, no we'll words, to a We should do part two. We should, dude. I would love that so much, man. I I really would. And I think um, that's something we, we should do. Um, maybe we'll do it at Lantern again. <laughs> <laughs> no. But um, yeah, right. fellow Martians, please go follow John, follow Lantern, uh, follow at OnMarsPod, and go to OnMarsPod.com. Goes to YouTube right now, but we'll have a website up soon heck yeah Um, thank you for watching I love you guys so much and we will see you next time on Mars Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in and watching this episode of the On Mars Pod and for sticking around to the end, man. I really appreciate you guys. You are the real Martians. like this video. Comment below what your favorite part was, what was most inspiring to you. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that bell for notifications here on future interviews coming out soon. And also follow us on Instagram at On Mars Pod. Love you guys so much. We will see you next time on Mars.
0: Literally everything. That was my entire life story. <laughs> That's what this is about. Dude. <laughs> dude, that it like flew by. It really did. You I, were like, "It's so late." I was like, "Holy shit, it's 12:54." I didn't. I didn't know. I had no idea. I didn't. I mean, I told myself I was like, "Yeah, we'll be home by like 9:30." Yeah. Three. All I wanna do. Uh buttery flaky crust. <laughs> There's nothing I like better than that buttery flaky crisp.
1: Bacon, a buttery, flaky crust. Bacon, a buttery crust.
0: <laughs> The woman next to him is so pissed, bro. Bacon, a buttery crispy crust. <laughs> <laughs> rain, rain, go away. That's what all my haters say. <laughs> My pockets stay on overload. (laughs) This rain never evaporates. (laughs) Dude, classic. Go, 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 go and do your dance. And I'm gonna throw this money while you do it with with no no hands. Hey.
2: Hey.